You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ladies and gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. Uh, the 15th-ranked Gamecocks will take the floor tonight for the first time in a long time with a number like that next to their name. Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios. They are the preferred sign partner of the Gamecocks, and we can prove it. If you walk through the doors of Colonial Life Arena this evening to watch your Gamecocks, when they tip it at 6.30, you'll see Sinorama's work everywhere. That's why they are the preferred sign partner because they're excellent at it. Also, Williams Bryce Stadium, Founders Park, starting to look good and fresh. They will throw the first pitches next Friday, and we can't wait for that. Have some news on that to give to you here in just a couple of minutes as well. JC, JB, and Phil, we are served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. Chicken Cock 
Whiskey is found on the Chief Sports app by typing in your address. Just click on the little chicken cock symbol, and uh, any store near you that has it, that'll tell you, and you can go pick some up. It is fantastic. I just put somebody onto it yesterday or a couple of days ago. They picked it up yesterday, and now they're hooked like we all are. We we just love those guys. Can't thank them enough for what they do, nor these folks, the Barn Dominium Co., the barndominiumco.com or the Barndo Co. as they're called in the Carolinas, Georgia, and in Tennessee, where you can build something flat out beautiful for as low as 160 bucks per square foot, too. That's almost unheard of these days. Thanks to Alicia Fields and the entire team at the Barndo Co. for what they do for us. We're here for you until 2 o'clock. We'll be joined in just a moment by Hale McGranahan with the bigspur.com. We'll get into plenty of Carolina football. Get that football fixed to you here early because coming up later, it's Derek Scott, the voice of Gamecock basketball. And as I mentioned, the Rebels will walk in tonight and the Gamecocks will look to extend their winning streak in the SEC to six games. And if they can do it, it'll be the longest winning streak in the league since the 96-97 SEC championship season. Wow. With all that said, JC texted us this morning. Uh, it is a crazy day. Um, in the world of everything, uh, the good news, JC's long lost brother from another mother, Axel Rose. Today's his birthday, so happy, happy birthday to, to Axel Rose! Happy birthday, Axel! I, I know that I you, don't even want to look and see how old he is. <laughs> well, I I know he's a, he's a big me. fan of our show, so you know we, we want to make sure we wish oh, him yeah. a happy birthday. Um, it is also the thirty fifth, I believe, anniversary of the passing of the legendary Joe Morrison. And uh, Joe will forever live in Gamecock glory for what he was able to do during his tenure, of course. So we'll talk about some of that today because we honor the Gamecocks on this program. And then this morning, just if you... Yeah, if you grew up at all in the last 30-plus years, you grew up with Toby Keith. And I, I just, he's had stomach cancer. He's been battling it and, and it took a turn for the turn for the worst. And that just cr crushes me. I know that, uh, I listen to his music all the time. I truly feel like I should have been a cowboy. Um, I mean, he was just the best and he said what he wanted to say. And so rest in peace. And, uh, thanks for bringing us so much joy through, through your music, Toby Keith, man. What a, what a, what a dude, what a dude. So, uh, we'll talk about all that today, and uh, we've even mixed in some some Toby Keith, and uh, you'll you'll get a little taste of that uh, coming up here nice. uh, in, in just a little bit. I love this bar; is one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. And in Nashville, for those that don't know, there's two bars owned by the same people right beside each other near Vandy called Winners and Losers. And so that song, we got yeah. winners, we got losers. <laughs> losers, losers is better than winners, by the way. It is. Losers is awesome. They have they have. Uh, Losers is uh, the better of the two bars, but uh, yeah, I've, I've hung out in there a few times, had a few cold ones, and so that's that's a good song. And uh, obviously, it's patriotic stuff. Should have been a kid. And then uh, Rodney Carrington had a real funny bit on Toby Keith, um, one of his stand ups that I've always remember. So that that said, I saw a picture of him about two three weeks ago, and I told Nat I was like, he's not looking too good. He doesn't, doesn't look like I mean, real mm -hmm. kind of shriveled up and stuff, and. Um, and it took him, so um, glad he got to go through one last Christmas with his family, holiday with his family, and may he rest in peace. No doubt, the uh, his uh, one of his newer songs, "Don't Let the Old Man In," is 
Whew, yeah. It'll get you. Um, so rest in peace, Toby Keith. Uh, Hale McGranahan is very much alive and doing what he does, covering Gamecock football, and he joins us now here at 1107 on this Tuesday. It's a beautiful Tuesday, by the way. Uh, February the 6th as we move right to – do okay, everybody be honest here, the three of you be honest. Do you all celebrate Valentine's Day in your household? Kind of. I mean, it's yeah. kind of up to me. I mean, I – but I do. It's usually a work day yeah. for her. About, what about you, McGranahan? Yeah, we do. My wife's birthday is actually two days before Valentine's Day, so it's Ooh. it's a it's a double doozy. But yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. What about you, Mad Dog? Oh yeah, yeah. We celebrate around here. We, uh, I'll be uh, cooking dinner next <laughs> Wednesday night. <laughs> <laughs> Make well, the Gamecocks, nice. will, Gamecocks are playing at Auburn next Wednesday night, Phil, so, so plan carefully, okay? Plan One of the carefully. reasons why we've planned to have dinner at home, although, okay. you know, you've let the cat out of the bag now, JV, so yeah. hopefully Dina's uh, <laughs> teaching and not uh, on planning right now, but, yeah. you know, maybe motives maybe there for cooking maybe, dinner at home. Maybe something easy to grill, you know, grill it out on the porch, have the TV going, you know, same time. That's uh, no baking, Phil. You're not going to be able to bake. Uh, yeah. Cast, no casserole. Yeah, no, that, no, 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 nothing like that. My, I actually, uh, my dad got us a, um, uh, one of the smaller Blackstones that'll fit on the back porch. Ooh. So I was thinking about Love it. that up. Uh, well done. Some- yes, sir. Way to go, a- Dad. Yep. We got an outdoor pizza oven for our wedding as a wedding gift from some of our friends. Oh, so, yeah. Delicious. Can't use it right. It's too cold outside right now. But anyway. Hey, what about you? Just going to order some Chinese? <laughs> you know, because the birthday does take priority, I, I haven't gotten to the 14th yet. I'm stuck. I'm stuck trying to get everything ready to roll for the 12th. Yeah. I have Monday. Well, I'm I'm not saying anything my wife doesn't know. She's not listening anyway. She's up in Forest City, North Carolina, working today. Um, so uh, I generally plan for the 14th right around the 14th. <laughs> it's like, I like that. We just don't care. She doesn't care about Valentine's Day, thankfully. So, um, all right, Phil. Phil, that, who, who, who are we talking to here? Phil, JC, Hale. Um, so I uh, was actually texted with John last night about a couple of things, and he said, I'll respond back in a minute. I've got to get this VIP room up. And I thought to myself, well, good God. Well, the world's going into this VIP room. Well, geez, hell, you did some work, dude. Uh, I mean, you're always doing work, but you got a lot of stuff in there. A bunch of, bunch of offers flying around. This staff has been tossing out some offers. I know that there's a dead period right now, but even with the, with three new dudes, they, they've been flying around. Yeah, so the last three weeks, I guess, were, were pretty big. The, the staff was able to go out on the road and visit with the recruits for, for the first time in NCAA, you know, recruiting history. Coaches are allowed to to see or were allowed to see these these juniors, rising seniors uh, in person and not only see them in person, but talk to them and, and have a conversation with them and not wave or actually just, you know, go go off. <laughs> and talk to him and, and hope that a, another college coach doesn't come walking down the hall and see you talking to guys because it used to not be allowed. Now it is allowed uh, at, at this point in, in the recruiting process. So it, it was very, I, I guess, very beneficial to be able to go out and, and offer a kid and, and have a conversation with them about it face-to-face as opposed to, you know, doing it over the phone 
or having his coach tell him in your presence, something, something like that. So it, it can, I guess, maybe be a little more meaningful, so to speak. We'll see if that plays off, pays off for, for Carolina down the road. Cause they did offer a lot of guys. Like you said, JB mentioned quite a few of them in, in the VIP room last night, a uh, bunch of them from Maryland uh, of all places, uh, an area part of the country that South Carolina's obviously recruited a lot here lately. And, and I would imagine that some of those guys are, are going to be names that we're going to be talking about more and more as we, we move forward with this 25 recruiting cycle. One, one of the names that has come up uh, and he just visited this weekend is a uh, linebacker, Zayden Walker. He's a five-star and he's the brother of Jalewis Solomon. I read your report last night. I hope it's okay that I regurgitate a little bit of what you said. You did mention that Jalewis did not, Join them on the visit this weekend. Yeah, I I don't know if there's a reason for that or not. I'll let you go uh, forward with that. But what what do you what do you what do you know about his recruitment? I, I guess he's been around here a few times, right? And um, he's seen campus and he's gotten to know the the staff. How, how do you feel like the Gamecocks stand with him at this point? Yeah, I don't know why Jalewis didn't make the trip too. They they haven't always gone on the same trips together and and. You know, there there have been times when Jalewis came to South Carolina and Zayden wasn't with him. Uh, and, and I think this is the first when Zayden's been here and Jalewis has not. Uh, I, I would guess it is probably just, a, hey, this is your visit. This is your time to do this recruiting stuff. Let, let's keep the focus on you. Let's let's let, let you be the uh, priority here. I, I would I would guess that it, that might have something to do with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, South Carolina is in a good spot. They have been for a while. They they first visited the two brothers visited visited together for that Tennessee game in 2022. First time they they'd been to to Carolina, and certainly it made a good impression. And they've been back several times since then. And a bunch of schools are involved. I mean, he's a five star, one of the top ten players in the country, regardless of position. So Georgia's involved. Miami's hosted him for a visit here recently. I think it was Florida was another place that he he's also visited recently. He's a national level recruit, so that there are probably going to be some other schools that pop up over the course of you know the next however many months this thing plays out. But but I, I do think South Carolina is going to be right there in it until the very end. At the very least, I, I think it's safe to say that. What what do you? Oh, I want to make sure I get JC in on this too. What do you two gentlemen know about if there is one a desire for these two brothers to to want to play together? I don't know. Sometimes that stuff works in your favor. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, the thing that gives me Paul's hell is that the other brother is at Auburn. There's, there's three brothers. And the other brother's at Auburn. And Jalua sort of was going to Auburn, and then he wasn't. And so that kind of makes me think, like, within the family, depending on who's closer to who, people want to go their own way. Now, I'm the oldest of four boys, and I know that – my relationship with my brother Cam is a lot different than my relationship with my brother Jason or my other brother Seth. So like in that situation, if it were me, Jason's likely to say, I don't want to go anywhere near where he goes to school, you know, cause he's, he's kind of the, the second brother. There's a rivalry there. He wants to go do his own thing. Now my third brother. Yeah. Hey, he wants to follow me, you know, and then the fourth brother probably wouldn't even be going anywhere, but um, that's just kind of uh so the brother dynamic is like it's interesting especially when it's uh you know when it's when you talk about recruiting i've seen it work totally in teams favors over the years i've seen it work way against them 
Um, because I guarantee you those other schools, they're not just going to sit there and go, ah, well, Joe Lewis is at South Carolina, so Zayden's going to go. Now they're going to say, come here and plot your own destiny. You know, your brother's doing the same, you know, all that good stuff. And this guy is going to be, it, it's going to be a hellacious battle to get him out of Georgia. I, I tend to agree they're staying power based on feedback I got yesterday on it. But uh, that would be a, a one of those unprecedented out-of-state five-star wins. I can't remember the last. South Carolina hadn't gotten a five-star out of Georgia that I can remember. So that would where, be uh, – where was, where was Ricardo from? Greenwood. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's from Greenwood. Now, he picked the game. Georgia was his number two. That's what I was yeah, remembering. Right. That. Ricardo's from Greenwood. Yeah, yeah right. Ricardo's from Greenwood. So there's been there's been a bunch of defensive brothers over the years. I know Saunders in there with the with the Dixon, the Dixons. But I mean, shoot, I went to school with the Brinkleys and and went to school with the uh, the Lindsays, uh, the Lindsays, the, cra- the crazy Lindsays. Um, which I love those guys. They, they they were they were good dudes. Talk about uh, cowboys. We, those two were a couple of cowboys. Oh, you you if you were in their corner, you were good. Didn't matter what was going on. You got the Kilgores there now. Um, shoot, I'm sure there's been some others, but there, but um, those were the twins back then. These guys aren't twins, but they are brothers. So we'll see how that all works out. Um, what what about the, what about the wide receiver position, Hale? I, I you know I, I uh, it feels like a lot of offers have been going out since since James Coley arrived at South Carolina. I'm not sure that that's any more than would have gone out if Justin Stepp was still the wide receivers coach or not, but but um. Your thoughts on on the offers that have been extended to the type of players that they are, and and the uh, the sum or, or the the amount that have been dished out. Yeah, I, I think Coley's probably had his eye on some guys or identified some guys at some point along the way that 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 he wanted to get offers to, and I don't know that there's a a similarity between them all. Like I, I think it's pretty wide ranging when it comes to different types and, and all that. Uh, one guy who I mentioned last night in the VIP room, who's kind of stood out to me and I haven't watched highlights of all these guys th- that he's offered because there have been several, uh, but, but I've seen, I've looked at a couple of them that way. And, and this Jeff XNR junior from one of the guys from Maryland, uh, he, he's a bigger body receiver. I, I don't know if he's going to outgrow a receiver and end up being a tight end. He's, He's like six two, you know, probably like two ten or something like that right now. Long arms and, and he runs well and he's he's got good ball skills. And he he's an intriguing player. If if for no other reason, um, this receiver group doesn't have a lot of bigger physical types of presences on the field. They're, you know, I don't want to say a bunch of small guys, but but not guys who are you know six two plus and, and big bodies. So uh, I, I'm intrigued that way and and think that that he looks pretty good and. You know, Penn State's after him. Syracuse is a factor. That you know, quick aside here. I, I'm I'm going to keep be keeping my eye on Syracuse and, and and how they affect South Carolina being able to recruit up in the the DMV area because it sounds like that that new staff up there is is uh, in on a bunch of guys here uh, early on. Uh, so just something to keep an eye on. But as far as South Carolina, yeah, I I, I like the XNR. Uh, offer and, and he wants to get down at some point. He's got a teammate who plays cornerback, who South Carolina's also recruiting, and, and that's also a position of need for for this team in 2025, among among several others, of course. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I like that guy at receiver, Exner. How do you say his name? If I'm mispronouncing it, excuse me. 
Right, you'd know better than I would. Yeah, I'm I, with you. I think Fran Brown's going to sign some guys that maybe they wouldn't yeah. have normally gotten. He, he's got Great. a good story to tell. I'd keep an eye on the state of New Jersey, which, um, which to me is why you don't go take the Boston College job right now because there's going to be, especially if they, if they start winning, that's a day that's even more dangerous. But even when Syracuse isn't winning initially, he's going to get he's going to be dynamic. I mean, he's he's a he's a special dude. I think, you know, with his story and all that. And um, a real guy. And uh, that resonates in New Jersey and the Northeast quite a bit. So we'll see what happens. But I'm with you, Hale. That's a that's a very excellent point, sir. I think it's a very, very excellent point uh, because yeah. people – it's a good reminder because people – a lot of people, Hale, don't know who Fran Brown is. Yeah. You know, and, and, and what he has done in his career – or they might know who he is, but they've just forgotten that he's at at uh, Syracuse. And then in the coming months, as you just pointed out, I'll be anxious to see some of this because not just here in Columbia, but a, a lot of these, a lot of programs, uh, you, you'll look in their final, you know, four or five, and, and there's going to be some head scratching, going, "Why does Syracuse keep popping up?" And you know that that's of course exactly why. So that's a, I think it's a great point. Um, what about the defensive tackle position? I feel like it's uh, it's been pretty quiet. What do you what do you hear in there? Yeah, there there was a, a a name that I mentioned in the VIP room last night, and and you know what, it's it's totally slipped my mind. Uh, a recent offer from Travion Robertson, uh, the guys from up in in the Baltimore area, I believe, as uh, well. Darian so, Smith, is that it? There you go. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, Darian Smith. He's he, he's a little undersized. He's He's about six two, probably maybe two seventy ish right now, but but certainly looks like a really good player and a guy who who will probably get get a little bit bigger too, of course. But uh, mm-hmm. a, another guy that South Carolina's identified from that part of the country who who is interested in getting getting down at some point in the spring. You know, we're in a dead period right now, but uh, things will open back up in the first week of March. South Carolina will be on spring break then, so they, they won't start bringing recruits in until after they're back from spring break. That's pretty standard operating procedure. So they'll they'll start hosting guys um, around the time spring practice gets going, uh, maybe a little earlier, because um, that's it's it's a it's an important travel time for guys. I mean, high schools have spring breaks too, so a lot of guys get out on the road and see a bunch of places. So going to be some some opportunities to to bring in recruits from maybe a little bit further away from home because they have. They don't have just a Saturday to to make the trip, um, so just something to keep in mind. Uh, and but yeah, defensive tackle recruiting. The, Darren Smith, you know, Xavier Hardy is still a factor. He, he's at the Junco level right now. Well, not committed to South Carolina right now. Not committed anywhere. He's picked up a few offers since he's been in junior college. Um, you know, got to do his part, of course, off the field, take care of business there. And South Carolina is going to have to, you know, re-recruit him. And, and beat some folks to get him. But he's he's going to be a name that we're keeping an eye on. We are keeping an eye on him. South Carolina's Travion Robertson's built a strong relationship with him um, pretty much just over the phone and how else they communicate that way. He went out to see him, was able to go out to see him. Speaking of the benefit of coaches being able to talk to recruits, you know, a year ago, uh, if Travion or Jimmy Lindsay, who was the defensive tackles coach at the time, went to go see you a JUCO guy, check in on a JUCO guy, you know, the rules said that he couldn't spend time with him and talk to him and get to know him. Now, Travian Robertson's been able to do that with Xavier Hardy. So, um, th- and there's some other guys in, in the Georgia 
parts of the state of Georgia who, who have been on the radar a little bit. Elijah Griffin's the, the big name, but going to be tough to pull that one. Still, he, you know, he still keeps telling people South Carolina's involved. He likes South Carolina. So uh, until he commits to Georgia, which is probably going to happen at some point, um, you know, we still got to keep talking about him. Uh, and, and there are, again, some others from the state of Georgia. But, uh, you know, it, it's dire. They, they need guys. But uh, I, I think it's too early to start really panicking because there's still plenty of time to to figure out who's who's going to be in this class at that position. Hey, you just go to the just go to the portal next year. I'm not worried about it. Um, those guys cost, but they're not. I'm just not. I'm not as worried about it as some. Not here on February. Do what? Do I wish the state had three, four star, five star D tackles in it like normal? Yeah. Do Do I wish there was a TJ Sanders somewhere out there? Yeah, and hell, there may be. Might I mean, be. camp yeah. season, every year in camp season, somebody comes out of nowhere. So it may yeah. as well be yeah. a D tackle or two. Um, shoot, I remember one year, <clears throat> Tommy Bowden there at Clemson. They, South Carolina ratings-wise, like signed all these guys. Oh, it's over, you know, and they signed a, couple, a few two-stars named Gaines Adams, Philip Merling, Rashad Jackson. <laughs> I think all those guys played in the NFL. Uh, and we're quite good, quite good. The late Gaines Adams, by the way, uh, on the D line. So you can find them. Um, Clint says hard to get good DTs in the portal. Yeah, they got two this year. I'm not worried about it. Um, yeah. and I'm not worried about depending on it. I, you know, just kind of knowing the lay of the land. I think, I think they'll be fine. And then there's some guys with eligibility left, uh, next year. I mean, TJ, TJ Sanders has another year now. Will mm-hmm. he come back? Who knows? But, uh, I just, uh, you know, these days in college football, you just got to worry about this year, you know. And uh, what I don't want to have happen is for a bunch of people to start jumping on Travian uh, based on what happened last year because what happened last year was in no way his fault. I mean, Jimmy Lindsay had a board set up to, to that mimicked Georgia's board. And Georgia got every single one of them. And then he had told it to LSU. Travian had no opportunity to make any sort of relationships with anybody. I mean, when you come in in June – you know, everything's just about done. Guys are committing at least by August. So, you know, th- that's what I'd like to avoid here is that whole, uh, oh, my God thing. And Amari Adams going to Clemson doesn't help. But uh, I- I'm not going to entertain any kind of like, you know, what's Travian doing right now just because of the situation. And then, quite frankly, the situation within the state. I mean, it's, there's not – it's just not we're – we're in a defensive tackle drought like right now. So, who knows? It, it, the the you mentioned the Griffin situation. So if is he is he the type of kid or his? I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Is he is this the type of recruitment hail when he commits? Uh, you you kind of feel like it's shut down or no? Just hang in there. Let, let's let's see how this sucker plays itself out over the next few months. I mean, if he commits to Georgia, you could probably go with the former. I, I think okay. that would be hard. You know, JC talked about getting five stars from Georgia. Like, I don't, I don't think we've seen that happen around here. And, um, you know, a defensive tackle, Kirby Smart's not going to uh, let that happen. Uh, it's, it's not going to be easy to make it happen, especially if, if he commits to to Georgia. So, I, mm-hmm. I would, I would think that probably put it into it. But never say never. You, who knows? Uh, certainly don't know exactly how that hypothetical would play out in, in his mind. So. 
but I think it's a safe bet to say that it will be even tougher. Hamble Granahan with the bigspur.com. If you haven't been to the Big Spur in, I don't know, 20 minutes, you're probably missing something. There's some fantastic articles and columns up to uh, read, uh, written by Hale, John, JC, Tony. They're all working today. Good news. Good news. Um, what are you What are you learning about Nick Harbor this spring as he has spent all of his time, or at least the large majority of his time, with the track team? Um, I know he's he's already run. Had a saw a video from him this past weekend. The dude just flat out flies. So, what are you learning about him and his experience over there, and how that's affecting football? I'm learning he's he's getting faster in, in track. And the, the indoor season began for him about a I don't know how 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 much later than than other folks who run track full time. Like they've probably been training throughout the fall and doing whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm no track expert by any means. <laughs> Nick started running with with the track team at, at Carolina here like less than a month ago, and they gave him a couple of weeks to to work out and get acclimated and get get into better shape. And he started running. He ran a four by four hundred meter relay leg uh, that the team won won the race that they ran. Uh, he started running the two hundred uh, a week later and picked up the sixty the week after that and. Improved on his 200 time uh, from from the first time he ran it for for Carolina, and you know he ran Saturday in Columbia for the first time, competing in Columbia, and in the 200 he he ran the eighth fastest time in program history. I you know that that sounds pretty wild to me, like a, a freshman running set second second time running the event, and he's already you know right there uh, and and really improved his time. So I I would think that. That to me is probably a good sign of what kind of a talent he is, b what kind of worker he is, and and c uh, what kind of coaching he's getting. Like like he's he's getting developed by Tim Hall, who who came to South Carolina from Kentucky. He's worked at Tennessee, he worked at Clemson, coached a bunch of Olympians, and and I I, I don't know how how likely it is that, that Nick Harbor is going to qualify for the Olympics, but it seems to me he's got a pretty good chance. Like he he's a, a freak athlete and seeing somebody that big run that fast. And I don't know how many people who are listening or watching have been to an indoor track meet or, or know what, what an indoor track looks like that people compete on. Like what, like how these things are circled, like they're, they're on banks. It's yeah. not just totally flat all the way around. And it's, I mean, you're, when you're walking on it, you, you're like, you feel like you're kind of walking sideways. And it's like, well, Damn, how how does somebody run fast on this? Like it, this is it's it's a, a really a sight to see, and I'd encourage any any Carolina fan who who can go watch him run uh, at some point, whether it's indoor or outdoor season, it, it's it's worth the price of admission, and I don't think it costs much to get in, and uh, you know the, the races don't last long, so you can get in and out. Uh, they give you the schedule and everything. So I, I to me, it's it's pretty cool to see see what he's done already and and i'm i'm pretty fired up to keep following this and and covering covering it and seeing how much faster he can get and as we get closer to june how real how real this thing could be for him running in the olympics yeah he i mean he has not been shy about telling people you know that's my dream i want to run in the olympics and put usa on my chest and i hope he gets there because goodness gracious, you know, you, you, representing your country in the Olympics, I, I just couldn't imagine. Um, to your point on Tim Hall, too, 
Yeah, I was reading your report on this, Hale. Uh, an Olympic, he's coached an Olympic gold medalist, five Olympians, a world champion and silver medalist, a world record holder, two American record holders, four collegiate record holders, 11 NCAA champions, 14 SEC champions, and over 125 All-Americans. And it's going to partridge in a pear tree, I guess. And then you pair that with the fact that um, when when Nick committed to South Carolina and um, and and they were talking about him being just a once in a generation type talent, you know, you, you hope it'll work out for him. I, I'm interested to see, just out of curiosity, I, I don't know what benefits what. I have no idea. I've never anybody that says they can judge this are wrong because none of them have ever run track and played football at the collegiate level. But um, but I'm interested to see how his body kind of transforms during track season and then how that carries over into football from a wide receiver standpoint. Did you talk to him about that at all or no? Yeah, he he's he's not doing a whole lot of football-related activities right now. Most of his energy is being dedicated to track, and it'll continue to be that way through most of these off-season workouts. You know, when spring practice starts, he'll do some football stuff, but I, I don't think he's going to be – doing a whole lot of contact <laughs> like he, he said he's going to run some some one-on-ones and try to get in some seven-on-sevens um but i i don't i don't think there's going to be a whole lot of him having all the pads on and, and and being allowed to to get a pop from one of the Kilgore brothers over the middle like that i don't i don't think that's going to be in the cards so it, he he's definitely more focused on track right now than football that that is for sure and anyone who has a problem with that just needs to remember that he may not be here right now if that wasn't part of the deal. So right. get over it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that's reality. It's and Nick Harbor's running track at South Carolina because he wanted to run track at South Carolina because he's got a legitimate chance to to get into the Olympics. And you know, it's gonna set his football back, career back a little bit. I, I don't think anybody's gonna dance around that i certainly will not whether or not it 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 helps him in the long term with his football career who knows i personally i've always liked the idea of him playing defensive end as opposed to wide receiver but but he he really likes playing receiver Mm -hmm. he he told me that he has some pretty lofty goals for this season playing football coming up even even with all the track stuff going on he's he's got some lofty expectations and and i think right now it, he he sees himself as a receiver whether or not that changes down the road after we get through june july august whatever we'll see but uh, right now he he envisions himself as a receiver and and is excited about uh about being more of a a threat in the passing game moving forward so uh, confident confident guy for sure and, and and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and say he can't play receiver because somebody who's that big and that talented uh, is certainly going to have have a lot of say in, in, in proving me and anybody else who feels that way wrong. Yeah, I'd be interested to see um, his uh, development once he gets back to football under a new coach, James Coley, out there. Uh, clearly, Justin Stepp will, will still be able to do whatever he, he needs to do to help him out. So you got technically two wide receivers coaches in this program. Um, who, who can help this cat continue to get better? I just don't know. You know, I just, I, I just feel like he's screwing his whole life up doing this whole track thing. He just needs to be out there every day doing football because that's what I want. 
You know what I mean? That's what I want. I don't care what he wants. I'm just kidding. Um, so there was a Tony had a report up this morning about Jawan Howell, the running back from South Carolina State, and and that kind of go coincide. JC, we've talked about this around here a few times, and Hale, I was interested to to hear if you've heard anything just in kind of checking in with the team and and how things are going. It's very early. Clearly, it's it's the beginning of of, of February. We still have uh, six weeks before spring practice begins, but you know, a couple a couple of cats who've been around this dude have mentioned to me he can play football and he is going to play football at South Carolina. Don't 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 let this you know South Carolina State transfer thing misguide you. He is he's a good running back. Uh, his he's got tree trunks for legs. He's very driven, uh, very physical type kid, and um, and his name is going to be in the mix. So. That's just what I was told. I was anxious to hear if if you have heard anything. Uh, you know, he, he seems to have a lot of buzz, right? I, I I think he's definitely in the mix. I haven't heard anything specifically, uh, or anything that direct. But I know I know this one. I was trying to figure out who the heck he was because he didn't even have a twenty four seven profile when we found out he was in the portal and South Carolina was involved. Uh, he got a whole lot better from his junior year in high school to his senior year. Uh, not that he wasn't any good as a junior, but, you know, it's just a reminder that uh, guys develop at different different speeds and, and sometimes they can fly under the radar because college, major college football programs uh, basically have their board set and figured out before the end of junior seasons. And, you know, sometimes guys get better and, can sneak under the radar, like I said, to South Carolina State and have a nice start to their career. Then all of a sudden they've got, what, 850 yards and 10 games or whatever crazy number he finished with last year. He, that guy's good. I, I, he can play. Whatever, you know, if anybody says all that stuff you're talking about to me, like I, I believe it because, I mean, that's what I see when I looked at his highlights. I got, that guy was good. And uh, get on South Carolina for not missing on him again. Yeah, we're just right down the road. Pretty, pretty neat stuff there. Hey, hey, hey what do you? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You can't have anything about the guy. I mean, how I don't, I haven't even gotten a good, clear picture as to how South Carolina State ended up with him. I mean, this guy was completely off the radar. They um, offered him in like December. Yeah, of the senior year, there was really? no like Shrine Bowl perform. I mean, there was just nothing. He, he had good film. I mean. He's in Mooresville. Wow. I mean, it's not like uh, South Carolina offered a DN from North Carolina today, and I have to go look at the map because I have no idea where that town is. But, I mean, I know Mooresville, man. I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, but, but look, to me, the and I hate, even, I hate to even compare it. I don't like player comparisons, mm-hmm. but I had to go with it because the kid looks – I mean, Derek Watson, he right down to wear number 22, spin move, style of running, fat yeah. speed. I mean – you keep, you know, people around SC State will tell you, this kid's the real deal, way too good to be there. We'll do good things at Carolina. And I, and I think it's great. He's going to get a lot of reps this sport with Rocket out. He and Artaway and um, uh, all those guys will get a lot of reps. So that'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. He, number 22, that was, that was my number. So he must be a hell. First of all, he must be a hell of a guy. Very handsome guy. Probably has good hygiene. Ladies love him. You know, that type, that type of dude. Hey Hale, what um what are you learning about this uh this I, I didn't know anything about it until I saw you retweet it yesterday from the the guy that's coaching my my alma mater. 
Isaiah Perrin down at, at Wando. The U.S. Army Bowl National Combine Series, February the 18th. That's a Sunday out at Wando. Classes 24, 25, 26, 27, oh, and 28. Uh, it's, it's open to all these cats, but it's got 24-7 Sports' logo on it. What, what do you know about this thing? Uh, I've seen it on Twitter. That's about it. Okay. I didn't know if you had done any investing. I guess I could call Isaiah and find out what the hell's going on out there, but this is being hosted out at Wando. So, yeah, they said, I guess they do a combine, Army combine series. Now, here's our, yeah, the Army All American Bowl or whatever. I'll I'll say this that bowl game has gone to a different format. uh, That's not not the same bowl game. That's not the same thing. No, no. Things. Yeah, this what is the combine season? series. Yeah, the combine. So the combine. I, I'm not really. I, I don't. I'm not trying to like speak ill of anything. I, I honestly don't know anything about the combine other than I've seen some recruits tweet about it. But it's however they're branded. It's like U.S. Army Combine or whatever. That's not. Ooh, that's not what the All American. That's not All American because that's they're not Army anymore. Yeah, they're not sponsored so, by the U.S. Army anymore. Well, like the key there would be who is it being run by. Because uh, a lot of the folks that try to do these combines, they'll throw a, a JB, they'll throw a network logo up there in a heartbeat, and then beg you to come. So they, you know, and it costs money. You know, it's a for-profit enterprise, and they're looking for any any kind of advantage they can get. So, um, so this so, says U- U.S. Army Bowl National Combine Series, powered by Signing Day Sports. Oh, yeah. So there's not a there's not a U.S. Army Bowl anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, that's it's my got, thing. I'm like, I mean, it's that, got the that sounds like logo on it. It's, I mean, it maybe they're sponsoring the, the just the combine series, not the. Bowl. I mean, they're pay, they're they're trying to charge 150 bucks for a combine. I think. I don't. I mean, they they've got 24/7's logo on there. I I've not gotten a single email or a call or anything. Slack. If people know what Slack is, I, don't, I haven't seen anything on Slack about about this combine that's got my company's logo on it. So what, what is uh, Slack? I don't even it's, know what that is. It's an instant messaging service that, that businesses use. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't know anything about this JBM. I, I don't mean to. No, 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 I, I, well, I don't but, either. Yeah. Uh, that's why I was asking you. Yeah. So it looks like they've got them. They've got a few of them. Like they've got one coming up this weekend in Phoenix here, Jackson, Mississippi, Vegas, what is that? Mission Viejo, California, Orlando, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. There's a, they got a bunch of them coming up. Denver, Virginia Beach. So there is a U.S. Army. I'll, I'll send you all the SDScombines.com is where you can I'm, go I'm looking at it. There is a U.S. Army Bowl. It's a pre-Christmas. A lot of kind of nobody. But it's not the game. That. It's not the game that's on NBC. That not the one at San Antonio. So they, they taken, played in that Josiah Thompson yeah. played in. It's not the same thing. I guess Michael Smith was on the roster for this one. I yeah, he was in the Under Armour. I'd be careful. I would, you know, if you're a parent out there, I'd be careful about paying these guys 175. This is definitely a any, anybody in recruiting that's not media like like they make their money by the more kids that show up they're gonna feed you full of false hope and take your money and tell you how great your kid is and probably not do much for him um and i understand that that our business largely makes money covering recruiting but we're a media company our job 
is to report on where kids are going to school and how good they are uh, to our audience, which is fans. And, our, and the fans are basically the ones that pay us. We, none, no media companies ever charged players uh, to be on the website, anything like that. It's totally free for the players and stuff. And I think you get a more pure uh, sense of it there. Sometimes in this business, people kind of look at it. They want to get rich and uh, want to make some cash off of it. So, um, look, I'm just saying be careful before you spend that kind of money. You know, most combines, really, if you, you only get into it, if they do charge you 30, 40 bucks, I mean, you, you can go and camp with the Gamecock player for like 40 bucks somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, most colleges that have to charge you 25 bucks, something like that. So mm-hmm. just be careful with something that expensive. And they are kicking up this uh, army bowl thing because I still call it the army bowl. Hell, I mean, I get it. You know, I don't, I don't know what to call it. So uh, that's kind of smart on their part to, to kind of act. And then, then but, Everybody's going to be disappointed. They're like, wait a minute, it's not in San Antonio on TV? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I'm just – yeah, I don't know, but it, it just says the U.S. Army Bowl Combine Series. I mean, I, I really would hope these guys aren't using the United States Army logo without the United States Army's permission. Like, there's got to be – got to be something I, I, to this. I don't, know, I don't know what kind of deal they got going. I'm just saying, I, for all I know, that 24-7 is working with them, but, you know, I, I would think that – Contact I've heard about it by now internally. So, yeah. right. if if you uh, hear anything, pass it along to us if you don't mind. Okay, we we would appreciate that around here, Hale. All right, all right, all right. What else you got on the agenda? Anything? Uh, I got I got a little something up my sleeve that 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 oh got got stuck in there via John Little. So, more to come on the big spur here this <laughs> afternoon. I uh, I don't want to. What you wh- where you, what's wrong with you? Who me? Yeah, you. I'm just like I just I just picture John sliding something up your sleeve and you, you can't get yeah, it out. There's, there's something wrong with you. Clearly. <laughs> no. Gutter is there a, a new gutter sponsor? Uh you, you got a gutter new gutter sponsor? That would be a good lined up for us. We that... probably need to get one of those around here. Okay. Yeah, no. only, that would definitely. We could use the heck out of that. Yeah, we that would they'd probably kill it here. Hey, that's a good idea, actually. You got a gutter yeah. guy? I need some you gutters on my house. That's so I'm looking now you know that? I'm looking to be some gutters at a price. So if you got a gutter guy, we can <laughs> yeah. trade out some work for a sponsorship. Uh, I'll, yeah. uh we'll poke around on that. How about that? Yeah. In the yeah. gutter with JC Sherbert. <laughs> I would be the host of that. My God, I forgot to mute and I was typing. I apologize. Somebody on the big spur is like criticizing the administration because they're not giving out free white t-shirts tonight at the game. Oh, sweet Jesus. You gotta be kidding me. Away- somebody even propagandized and said Penn State does it for a hundred thousand fans. They don't, they sell those shirts. They make money off those shirts. Uh, well, they do it for towels. Yeah, great. I think that's awesome. They had five days. BJ Mack tweets about this four days ago. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, I'm, and I'm sure the University of South Carolina can call up Fruit of the Loom and be like, send us a whole box. But man, I mean, you want to have T-shirt day? I'm all for it. But don't don't sit there and turn what should be a positive thing. You know, you know what fans need to do? If you can possibly make it, if it's in with your ability, get your ass out of the arena tonight and wear white. Everybody's got a white T-shirt. If not, go buy Walmart. 
they're a little more expensive than they used to be. It's like you can three pack for $15 used to be at eight. Goes I mean, to how, do we, how do we know they're not giving out white t-shirts? I just assume I they're they not. Giving them out. I saw they were giving out 1500 to the first 1500 oh. students that show up. Oh yeah. Well that's, that's what Penn state did at their yeah. white out. So yeah, I mean, yeah, you give them to your students. But and this this else, person wanted 20,000. Toss your undershirt on and head on out. To There's no reason not, not to wear white. I mean, uh, you know, uh, and it's somebody uh, ultimately forget and that's fine, but I just don't, I, I just don't understand sometimes. It's like let's yeah. just find something to criticize, to bitch about right now. This well, program immediately, immediately this got, followed up with a shot at Coach Tanner when she you know, Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, yeah. The, the other response was that well, that would mean a forward thinking AD, you know. And I'm like, listen, this program has gotten garbage support uh, yeah. for years. Even even Frank's teams that were on the bubble could not draw a crowd. They're finally getting there. All right, so they've won. It's time for everybody to show up if you care. If not, if you don't care, don't say anything when they lose. Don't <laughs> say anything. 20K don't, wife beaters. Don't, don't say anything when the five-star recruit from Columbia <laughs> continues to leave. Okay? Don't, don't put up 20,000 wife beaters. <laughs> Did you see 6,000 students just <laughs> raving? Oh, and hey, I, think, I, think, I think having <laughs> wife beater night would be awesome. That would be, <laughs> yeah, that, that that would be hilarious. Good luck to the other team shooting free throws. That. <laughs> well I'm done, like, what the hell? Nice to go, work, Bruin. man. Dave says, one. JC, there's a white shirt supply crisis right now that Tanner should have seen coming and prepared for last <laughs> year. Exactly. Totally on him. Thanks, uh, can't blame the fans for not having a white shirt that costs less See? than $5. Now we're, now we're getting the, the boys in to, to join go. in the tongue-in-cheek that we like to, to give I back mean, to some of these more. They're selling $5 tickets. I mean, what, what, what? take that 20 you saved, go buy you a pack of Hanes or a Fruit of the Loom at Walmart for you and the, and the kids and the wife. And wear your dang white shirt. Come on, man. It's not everybody's good lord. We want it free. And and in fairness to the poster, I kind of agree that you know, hey, t-shirt night may be cool. Get some guys, yeah. Hey, we got a free t-shirt if we get there. But but you've had you had four days before the players decided it was gonna be whiteout night. You know, that's a massive undertaking. You're already giving them away to students. You know, well, this would have been better if the I mean that's like walking in and, and eating a nice Three course gourmet meal and been like, well, the, the bread yeah. was just a little softer. It'd be better. <laughs> anyway, hey, we got to let you run on that note, dude. We're uh, we've blown through two breaks here, so I got to figure out how to get this sucker back on track. But uh, <laughs> that would require having a forward thinking we'll, baker. Uh, right, exactly. We'll 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 keep our eyes up your sleeves. Yeah, yeah, and uh, hopefully Ray Tanner will, will have a better grasp of the supply supply chain issues. Uh, out of, Ray uh, Tanner, he has committed an egregious error with this T-shirt situation. He must go. Ray Tanner must go. I'll see if Henry McMaster's got anything to say about that. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, man. Take care, man. Have a great week, brother. Thanks for all your work. Appreciate it. Yep. See- here you go, Hale McGranahan with the uh, with the bigspur dot com. I have and no it, idea what Hale's got up his sleeve. By the way, it makes me curious. I don't, I don't either. Whatever it is, Whittle put it there. Yeah, put it. Will John put it up there? So that, maybe, maybe we'll that means Whittle said, "Hold this information before." That's right. Just so I tell you right it. now, John's John's working on some things. We we talked this morning. We talked yesterday. We talked the day before. John's John's got uh, John's got some stuff going on. So 
the baseball news he had in the VIP room last night was awesome. I thought mm-hmm. the baseball lab they're going to build there at yeah. Founders. Yeah. I don't know much about what a baseball lab entails. I just know he mentioned Wake Forest used it. And last time I checked, they're still number one. <laughs> day. Hey, day, keep keep them coming, man. Uh, we gotta make the people who just can't stand Coach Tanner. We gotta we gotta make them crawl back into I, their can. Oh uh, so, man. Look, nobody's he, flawless. Nobody's above he had, a, had a cargo a ship of white t-shirts from Chile <laughs> set to arrive, but just, it got stuck in the Panama. The crazy stuff he gets blamed. Like people twist oh. themselves in knots too blame. No, John him. Edward, he's he's tongue in cheek, man. He's he's not he's not hammering Coach Tanner. No, no, he yeah, day, yeah. day's being sarcastic, yeah. facetious. Yeah. He's, he's just he's just I right, good for him. Keep it keep him coming because I him, man. he uh he he does he needs that. All right. Um, it's 11.52. We uh, do have Derek Scott uh, coming up uh, at uh, 12.30. And uh, really looking forward to that. Tonight's Ole Miss-South Carolina game could be a dandy. The Rebels uh, walk in at 18-4. and four, Only one game back overall of South Carolina's 19-3 and three record. Uh, before we hit a timeout, in case you missed it last night, we thought it would be pretty good. I kind of hinted that I thought this could happen yesterday. It doesn't make me a genius. I'm pretty sure it was predicted by a lot of people. But uh, Kansas State did go to overtime and uh, defeat the fourth-ranked Kansas Jayhawks uh, in Manhattan. 75-70 to was the final score. It was a great game. And um, uh, Kansas State gets to 15-8, and 5-5 and in the Big 12. Kansas, by the way, drops to 18-5 and and 6-4 and in the Big 12 which is interesting because they are ranked fourth in the country. Their next two opponents, they've got 13th ranked Baylor walking in this weekend, and then they'll hit the road for Lubbock, Texas, in a 9 o'clock tilt on February the 12th at 23rd ranked Texas Tech. So uh, they've got their work cut out for them if they want to have the year that we all know Kansas fans want to. But um, it was a great game last night, nonetheless. So uh, tonight, in addition to South Carolina and Ole Miss in the SEC, You've got one other one, 8.30 on the SEC Network. Anybody want to say it or do y'all want me to say it? Don't lose this one, Kentucky. Oh, boy, don't lose this one. They're at Vanderbilt in Memorial Gymnasium in Nashville, and they're actually only nine-and-a-half-point favorites over the doors. Take the over. And I bet Vanderbilt puts up more points than they have all season in conference play in a loss tonight. What? Good prediction, Phil. This guy's a genius. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. JC did not agree with you. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, that sorry. made him mad. I'm sorry, JC. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Plenty more on uh, basketball when we get back in the top of the noon hour. Uh, a uh, pretty neat programming note to pass along to all of you that we think that you will appreciate. So stick around for that. We'll hit an early timeout here since we uh, needed to hit a timeout much sooner. Again, uh, Derek Scott coming up, and uh, we got plenty of Carolina football and baseball to get into. Also really anxious to have a conversation with J.C. about Missouri and the big NIL bump they just received, $12 million according to reports. What will that do for the Tigers program? And uh, what does that do for the rest of the SEC? see don't go anywhere hang tight we'll be right back
It's 2024, and it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big Gamecock fans, and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network. But most importantly, proud supporters of you getting healthy and staying healthy. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Year. Hey, Gamecock fans. Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number, 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online, or you can even download the app. Salsaritas is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving williams Price Stadium and the South Stands, also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number, make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for sandwiches. Which is every time. 803 543 6297. 803 543 6297. Rescues and Resin, proud supporters of Carolina Rise. They are also proud partners of the show. They make products you can't get anywhere else. Custom designed wood and resin products that make your tailgate, make your home, or make anything stand out. Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. Rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 
414-527-1414-527-1. Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game pops. G's Carolina Barbecue proudly presents the national anthem every day at noon here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show always live from the Sinorama studios, Billy G's Carolina Barbecue.com. I spoke with Mr. Bill yesterday. They have some really, really exciting things on the horizon and uh, that will all be out in due time. In the meantime, make sure that you head to Billy G's Carolina Barbecue.com to order any catering needs you may have. You've got it's February, March, April, May. Graduation, three months away. Might want to get those orders in now. Uh, if you need a food truck for any event that you may have hosting, maybe it's just uh, having them come to the office or something like that, they can do that too. Their food truck is fantastic. It's the best barbecue in Columbia. I can prove it because they've been voted that three straight year- years, and it's not just barbecue for what it's worth. They can cater just about anything. They even do oyster roast, but you better get that in early because oysters are going to be out of season here before long billy g's carolina barbecue.com make sure you go to carolina barbecue sauce.com to order their barbecue sauce and 
their secret spice rub and have it delivered to your doorstep. You may have seen, by the way, we did. I can say this because um, he actually publicly mentioned it. Uh, their barbecue sauce is going to be used in Sonic restaurants with the new Sonic barbecue burger that they're coming out with. Oh. They're using Billy G's Carolina Gold mustard-based barbecue sauce with that. Isn't that cool? Uh, in the awesome. Midlands. So hats off to Mr. Bill, uh, who's a great Gamecock, played for the Gamecocks back in the 70s, loves Gamecock basketball inside and out. Um, loves game, the Gamecocks inside and out, but uh, but uh, certainly a special place in his heart for for Carolina basketball. And boy, is he excited with the year they're having too. So um, yeah. make sure you go to those guys for all your barbecue and catering needs. On that note, on that note, next Friday is opening day for Carolina baseball, and uh, Phil and I will be live from Founders Park from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. We will be extending our programming one extra hour next Friday in Founders Park from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. as we get you ready for Carolina baseball to throw the first pitches of the 2024 season. We'll be joined by literally everybody uh, from uh, the staff to former players and administrators and the whole nine yards. So we're in the middle of getting all that put together, but, uh, but we will be up in Columbia next week and they will play at four on friday so we'll be off the air of course a little bit earlier but uh it'll be a four hour day here on inside the gamecocks the show as we uh, get help get the season underway for gamecock baseball so we're very much looking forward to that can't thank uh, coach kingston and kent Riker and coach tanner and all those guys in columbia enough for for having us and um and hopefully we can do what we've been doing around here for for a little while now continue to give you the best carolina baseball coverage you can find so look forward uh, to that. I mean, we may as well be like uh, tribe talk on Major League in our baseball season, man. It's it's the place to be if you love Carolina baseball, and we, while we still give the other sports love, um, I think I think our show we we understand the importance of it. Uh, and and JB last year just with you put with what you put together for opening day, it was amazing. Um, you know, me and Phil were sitting here giddy, little downright giddy. Uh, and uh, this year is going to be even better uh, on location. Uh, right there at Founders Park, and certainly, um, certainly, this could be a big year for the Gamecocks on, on, on the diamond. I, I think you know, whereas basketball is a just a, a a big old surprise, it wouldn't surprise me at all for these these guys to be in Omaha. I, I think uh, you know, just from what I've been reading and hearing, they got depth, uh, but they've also got probably more answers at pitcher than people are giving them credit for. I think people also don't remember that, like last year, by the time the season ended, Noah Noah was Noah Hall was long gone. Will Sanders was out of the bullpen. You know, just about everybody else is back, right? And uh, and they've got that nasty, nasty, nasty Chris Veach back. I forgot about him. <laughs> Dude, that guy. It takes twenty seconds for that ball to get to the plate, and people swing like it's a softball pitch. Craig, <laughs> I think I saw I saw a pitch he threw last year. Probably took like six seconds to get to the plate. It curved like three feet before, before I was like, holy moly. Uh, and he's cocky too. So I mean, maybe there's your closer. I, you know, I, yeah, the more I think about it, the more I've got a, I've got a good feeling about this team this year. I really, really do. I also know how much we invested in it on Carolina rise with NIL. And um, I feel good about that part as well. So. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, it, they've got a good group of players. I mean, I I think the first couple of weeks are going to be interesting uh, to see how they work things out from a rotational standpoint. Um, and I don't just mean the starting rotation. I mean the bullpen as well. And as guys continue to kind of figure out what their roles are going to look like, where they're a little bit more comfortable and things of that nature. Um, uh, certainly Matt, Matt Williams, I've you know, known Matt Williams – He's been around a long time, um, and and he knows his state inside and out. And he's a hell of a pitching coach, mm, man. He's a matter of fact. Mark Kingston has just flat out nailed it uh, with with pitching coaches since he's been here. Um, Skyler Mead is not only is he just an unbelievable dude, but um, but he's an an unbelievable pitching coach, and now. He's an unbelievable head coach. Watch out for the Troy Trojans uh, this year. They they are really good. And the state of Alabama is about to be put on notice. That includes both the Tide and the Tigers of Auburn because these cats are really, really good. Um, and then, you know, Justin did a did a phenomenal job. And he's gone to Mississippi State now and, and should be commended for everything he did. I mean, he really did a, a special job up there with these guys. And, and now you got Matt Williams in, who is South Carolina true and through. Um, his dad, Tommy Williams, longtime uh, coach in, in up there in Lancaster, here in South Carolina, and um, so he knows it all inside and out. They've got a bunch of really talented arms, and um, and really excited to see what those guys can do. And they've got more; they, they've got good questions, that's for sure. They've got a lot of question marks coming into the year, but they're good questions; they're not bad ones. So um, we uh, we're really excited to to see them play, and you know. Monty and, and King, these guys are um, they're working their tails off to to get them ready to go, and we'll see what happens. Kingston's almost pulled a dabbo as far as the, the coaching staff he's got now, because uh, you got yeah, phenomenal, um, staff. phenomenal. I mean, yeah, you got Monty freaking Lee. <laughs> what a resource that guy is, and, and I think Monty did a great job with the hitters last year. Uh, coming into the season, that was the question mark. Is this team going to be able to hit? Well, they, they ended up being able to hit most of the year. Um, mm-hmm. You have Matt Williams, who obviously is a stud. And then they brought in the guy from Campbell. And and I think we know that, you know, knowing what I know about Bowie's, Bowie's Creek, North Carolina is not even a town, folks. It's no. unincorporated. That's where Campbell yeah. University is at. Yeah. And think about all the great college baseball programs in the state of North Carolina. And you're competing with, with everybody for kids and, and notoriety. And, and look, I know the Gamecocks smacked them up pretty good, but Campbell had a damn good team, and he was the recruiting guy for them, if I'm not mistaken, right? And his name escapes me, JB. So I yeah, yeah, Joey Holcomb. And but you know, prior to that, you know, he he was at North Carolina State, and he's been at yeah. UNC Greensboro as well, and um, he's actually from Alabama. Yeah, he he understands the Southeast and being oh, able to yeah. players. It, so. it is. And, and yeah, the point is this guy has a track record of, of finding players to come to a place that's maybe not the easiest to go to. Um, and I'll include Greensboro in that. Uh, but now South Carolina, you know, that, that is a tremendous at a school with these kind of resources. I mean, that's kind of a marriage made in heaven. So I, I just, uh, hats off to Mark Casey. Cause you know, sometimes when guys are struggling and, and let's be honest, King was, and some of it wasn't his fault. They're hesitant to make, they're either like they make too many changes and they do it their own way, or they're hesitant to make changes and, and they keep doing it. The, the bottom line is the changes are not, they're doing it their own way. 
Mm-hmm. Mark Keaston, and look, Ray Tanner did this as a coach. And that, lo and behold, they won national championships after he did. And he kind of made a little bit of a change. Um, players didn't play so tight anymore. Kingston not only has hired guys that maybe are outside his comfort zone that he doesn't know that well or whatever, doesn't have a history with, uh, and that's made this, the program better because new ideas, teams of rivals, teams of people you don't know, that kind of rejuvenates you. But Kingston himself also changed. Uh, and, and, you know, since we started the show, the change has been out of it because he's hilarious when he comes on the show. Uh, but, and, and he's always been probably a funny guy in his personal life, but as a coach, you know, kind of the dead serious type, you know, and, uh, he's loosened up a bit. And I think with today's student athletes that, that helps them play loose. I think baseball, you need to play loose anyway. Um, so, uh, I just want to say that, uh, you know, hats off to what he, he doesn't get enough credit because people are still looking at the overall results and oh, he better do this or better do that. But I want to tip my cap to the guy for 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 be, for looking and saying, "Hey, this is not right now working out." But I'm going to go and 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 I'm going to I'm going to kind of change my look in the mirror, and I'm going to see what I can change about me, and then do some things outside of my comfort zone, and let's see if that works. And mm-hmm. and 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 most winners, guys, they're not a, they're not their ego doesn't get in their way of adapting. Nick Saban, Steve Spurrier, all that. So the hope is that this is the beginning of us seeing not only the Carolina program ascend again, but Mark Kingston ascend to the type of baseball coach that, that you know, Ray Tanner thought he was when he plucked him out of South Florida back in the day. Yeah, he's um, – so, you know, I think one of the unique things about Coach Kingston is, um, is that he brought Monty Lee on. And, and, and I'm not so sure that – Monty, Monty is Mr. South Carolina when it comes to baseball. Um, you know, he's, he's from Lugoff and, of course, played at the College of Charleston. Uh, coach helped out, helped out at Wando. Um, coached in the Diamond Devils organization. Coached at Spartanburg Methodist. And then coached with Coach Tanner at South Carolina, College of Charleston, Clemson, and now back with the Gamecocks. So, you know, he's been – He's been a head coach at two of the, you know, four major programs in this state, um, the College of Charleston and Clemson, Coastal and South Carolina would would be considered the, the other two, of course. And but he's coached at three of them, and uh, and then coached at SMC, where you know I, I went up there for a year, and it's SMC is one of the best junior college programs in the country. But the thing about the thing about Monty is he's so well loved, and. When you bring a guy like that, formerly the head coach at Clemson, who is just absolutely beloved in Columbia, and you know that he understands this program inside and out, you bring him onto the staff because you want to improve your program. It it it, it takes a kind of a man to do something like that. Like yeah. if, you, if you put yourselves into that position and in anything that you do, and you go hire the guy that you've been competing against who you know damn well, like your record isn't what you want it to be. It's not what the fans want it to be. It's not what the administration wants it to be. And so you go out and hire a guy who has directly impacted that record. Uh, and, and Monty His Lee. record against Monty was horrible. Yeah. And, I mean, it was not and, good. Well, and not even just that, like the fact that Monty, you know, signed a lot of guys at Clemson who 
Had he not been at Clemson over the years, many of those guys would have probably been at South Carolina or somewhere else. Um, and so, you know, he the, Monty Lee directly impacted a lot of what was happening in, in Columbia. And, and so, you know, pardon my language, but Coach King had the balls to go hire him and, and put the program, which is what you should do, of course, but most people won't but put the program above himself and his feelings and and his pride and wh- however you want to you know slice and dice that and and these two guys um I mean I'll be I'll be the first to tell you that I, I was curious as to how it would work and I know them both incredibly well very well I've known Monty for uh, 30 years um and so I I thought mm, man this is going to be interesting it's worked out brilliantly um, because they, they, they get along, they have the same goals in mind. They communicate the, all the things that you need to do as a human being, as an adult, but then also as a baseball coach. And they've gone out and they've signed a bunch of players and collectively they've been able to put their minds together as to what's best for this program. And now that doesn't mean, you know, they, 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 that doesn't mean they're going to run out there and be 20 and oh, to start the season, JC. I mean, they might have some bumps in the road. I don't know. They, who knows? It's, it's, it's college baseball. I mean, it just happens sometimes, and you and you sit there and you're trying to figure out what to do about it. But um, at the end of the day, there's not a program that's going to be better coached than this one. There's just not. I mean, there's a elite coaches all over the SEC uh, with elite coaching staffs um, over the ACC as well. But but this one's right there at the top, you know. And uh, so we'll see how it all all plays out. But uh, really excited to see him roll it out there. You got a bunch of all-stars. Yeah. And you, you used to echo my point there. I just want to, you know, before we start the season and we get into the, the every game and when they lose one game, everybody, you know, gets real fired up. Um, I just want to say that about coach Kings. Cause I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, man, it, it, like you said, it takes a man to do that. Uh, there's a lot of egos in coaching in case people haven't noticed. Um, but most of the time, the winners, the guys that win, Look at them very closely and how they operate with staff and teams of rivals, or you know, they they will take a coach that they'll tell you is better than them. You know, uh, how many head co- former head coaches did Nick Saban welcome with open arms to his sure. program? Just, just, just sit there and be analysts, lowest on the or whatever. He absolutely did not care if the guy had been a head coach before. Um, and and you look through history and and with coaching and, and coaches that that make those hires swallow their pride, especially when things aren't working, they, they end up working out. So we'll see what happens with King this year, but certainly uh, he has my respect with, for, for what he did and the moves he's made and the season he had last year, uh, holding that team together when they, it it was a, here we go again situation. Um, Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens this season. And if they get to Omaha, what one guy they won't have Jacob is Eli Jerzen back yet. He's going to have Tommy John and be out for this season. Uh, talking to John, and I don't know if this has changed. This was when it happened. He, he thinks Eli's probably thrown his last pitch here. Probably, I agree with that. Yeah, I hundred percent go to the pro draft or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's John's. There's a reason why John says that. Let's just put it that way. So yeah, it's a it, he's well more than likely, more than likely. Yeah, things can change, but more more than likely, and, and which is unfortunate because Eli Jerzenbeck certainly was the future of that pitching staff. But um, but um, he's still going to have an outstanding career 
Ed with a great comment too in the Nana Sports chat box uh, just a moment ago. Uh, the ability to throw strikes is going to be a huge key to the Gamecock success. Absolutely. And and it, and it kind of goes without saying, like that's the key every year, right? But um, I think where Ed's going with that is that – you correct me if I'm wrong here, Ed. This So the SEC in college baseball has changed um, for those that hadn't maybe watched a game in five or six years. It's mm-hmm. it's power arms. It's power arms. And, and you know – you used to have a lot of uh, you used to have a lot of guys, you know, in the in the upper eighties, low nineties. If you were if you were, I mean, gosh, it wasn't that long ago, eighty eight to ninety one, and and you were considered a pretty special arm. And if you were ninety one to ninety four, you were you were an elite arm. And now you see ninety five plus everywhere. Uh, now hitters have transformed themselves too. I mean, Smoke will tell you quickly. Hey, you throw a hundred all you want. I'll eventually catch up to it. Um, but you know, it's the, it's a 78 mile an hour slider that comes in with a hundred that you go, yeah, that I ain't gonna be able to hit that. So I, to your point, Ed, when you get power arms, especially young power arms, you have to make sure that you mentally prepare them for sometimes you have to learn how to control the power. Um, because you can't just be up there humping 95, 96, 97 miles an hour and not have a freaking clue where it's going. And, and we've seen that from time to time. I mean, last year, if you go look at what happened to Mississippi state last year, JC, Mississippi, I've known Chris Limonis since I was a kid and Scott Foxhall who got let go in the middle of the season. You talk about two outstanding baseball coaches and outstanding men. And these two guys were like dear friends. Scott played and coached at the college of Charleston. Chris played and coached at the Citadel. They played and coached against each other, known each other for, for years. And he had to let Scott go in the middle of the year, which was very unfortunate. But Mississippi State had a bunch of arms, and they couldn't throw a strike. Say so This is the team that had just won the national championship, right? And they couldn't throw a strike to save their lives. Craziest thing I'd ever seen. Couldn't believe it. I mean, they were averaging like 11 walks a game. You can't walk three or four, let alone 11. I mean, that's seven or eight runs given up right there. And and this is a team that literally two years prior had just won the national championship. Of course, everybody's wanting to fire him. I'm like, the guy just won the title two years ago. You know, they'll get it fixed. But they had a bunch of dudes that were humping 95, 96, 97 miles an hour and, and had no clue where the ball was going. So, you know, kind of to Ed's point there, from a baseball standpoint, you know, being able to identify – and being able to fill up the strike zone when you need to um, is, is crucial, and not just with one pitch. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, I, I think that early in the year they're going to have to work some kinks out on that end, and um, and they're probably going to have a couple of couple of innings that make you scratch your head and wonder, you know, how how deep, how good is this staff? Um, and then we'll see how it all comes together after that. I think they'll be fine. But you've got some guys coming back from being a little banged up here and there, so it takes some time to get get used to it. So we'll see. We'll see, JC. Looking forward to talking plenty of baseball and, um, you know, hoping they have a chance to have a special year. Yeah, me too. I'm just reading this sad sack of a story about NIL 24-7 from Chris Hummer. I'm not saying he's a sad sack. They quoted all these recruits anonymously. Go Mm. read it if you're worried about amounts. I mean, it's all over the map, dude. This one guy's like, the way I see it, 400 grand my first two years, and then depending on how I play. And I'm like, look, you better be really, really freaking good already. 
if you want that kind of money. Otherwise, go someplace else. Because mm. you're never going to get to the point where you get to renegotiate because you're not going to work hard enough to go get things done. I mean, I, uh, you know, some of these guys are even, but then some of them are like, nah, it's everybody shares and we all get NIL money, but it's a collective thing. So everybody, you know, everybody collectively on the team gets it. Um, but you know, most of these guys are not getting paid millions by the way. Um, and so I, I don't know. It, it, there's a lot going on out there. I just don't care for the, the whole, like, well, I'm guaranteed this, that, and the other, uh, just now, now look a sport like basketball or baseball in baseball, when you're dealing against a pro contract. Yeah. And in basketball, it, when you got a guy that can change your whole program with one year, yeah, maybe some are worth that. Football, no sir, not hmm. even a great quarterback, not even a not not even a great quarterback right away. I mean, I just I'm just not. Uh, but you know, most of these most of these are they interview 15 guys. Only one was at about a million a year. I have no idea who that is. You know, three and four hundred thousand. You know, a lot of them are six figures. Some of them are in the seventies. So I mean that. Look, I don't mind that. You know, I don't mind the six figures, but the whole million and four, you know, when you get a 400 a year, that's that's a, a two-year commitment of $800,000 when you don't know if the guy's going to be good or not. Uh, I would never do two, never do two. Um, maybe one, depending on what position. But anyway, I didn't mean to digress in that because now I've held us up for the break. Ah, no, it's a... Uh... It's all good. Get your quarter zip or just anything white tonight. It's a whiteout, unlike the blackout that happened for the Kentucky Wildcats. Gamecock Traditions has got it all. Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. Gamecock Traditions in the Village at Sandhill. GamecockTraditions.com. Make sure you look good tonight. Gamecocks hope to as well. Derek Scott always looks good. He's the voice of Carolina basketball, and he'll join us to preview this matchup Next, right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned and operated. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce of any goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecocks great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend. A career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, 
and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing, and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup's Swing Shop. Play ball. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Touchdown, Brewer. Set up a screen, and it goes to Brewer. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Brewer. His second of the day. Pitches it to Brewer. Turns to Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job just as he does for everybody else. Whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience, and service second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise, and it's done on time, and they do it right the first time. Again, you're not going to do any better than Ryan Brewer, Ryan Brewer Fence. The website is ryanbrewer.net. Set up an appointment today. Tell them Mike sent you. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina, and we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product, and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Yeah, we told you we had some Toby Keith to dish out to you today. 
and uh, R.I.P. to the legend. And 35 years ago, R.I.P. to that legend, Joe Morrison, former head coach of the Gamecocks. Uh, hard to believe he's been gone that long. The author of Black Magic. It might be white magic tonight for South Carolina as they look to improve to, yeah, you're going to hear it, 20-3. and three. Eight and two in the SEC. They are three and a half point favorites against the Ole Miss Rebels as they walk in with Chris Beard tonight and uh, will look to challenge South Carolina in that department. They're having an outstanding season as well, but so are these Gamecocks as they get that six straight SEC win tonight. Derek, it'll be their longest winning streak in the league since the team that won the SEC title in the 96 97 group won 11 to open their SEC slate that year. It's, it's been magical. It's really been magical for fans like the rest of us who get to listen to you call this stuff because this has been fun and we jump out of our seats when you do and the whole nine yards. So can't thank you enough for that. I see you've got your white on and you're ready to go uh, for tonight's broadcast. You know, I had my white on Saturday. I didn't know we were doing this on Tuesday. So as I joked on Twitter, either I'm trendy or I'm going to have to repeat my outfit a second time if I'm going to play by the rules here that have been set by B.J. Mack and his teammates. So I guess that's the route that this will go. <laughs> Dude, I saw that. You had plenty of on-screen time. I don't know if you noticed yeah. it there. Uh, yeah. You were on that last game. You were all over it the that's way that two, uh, two games in a row. You know, the arenas that have us by the bench, that's not my favorite scenario. I, I tell them. <laughs> Lamont all the time. I said, for someone who's not nearly as big as Frank was, you are even more of a pain in my butt setting screens on me when the ball is at our end of the court, man. I can't see around you. He's, he's more jumpy, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I, I will I will definitely prefer to be at home and on the opposite sideline where all I've got to worry about typically is one official and super fan Harry sitting next to us there on the, uh, on the sideline. He can be a little bit of a since too, but I, I get Harry with something and he'll move. So <laughs> it's, it's easier to manage, at yeah. least when you're winning, Derek. Uh, and tonight they're looking to keep doing that. 18,000 should be in there uh, to watch the Gamecocks uh, try to pull another one off here. So what, before we get to the game, let's go back to what happened over the weekend because um, I, it, it was, it's really kind of a fascinating scenario. This, this When you talk about teams having identities and, you know, who are they? What what brand of basketball do they play? All these, you know, big words that we use. That's it. Because there was there was no freak out. There was, I mean, they did switch their defensive philosophy a little bit Saturday, but they just kept doing what they do. Even after Georgia got that hot start, there was no, it was just all leadership. Hey, let's just trust what we do and it'll all work out. And boy, did it. Had that game gone another five minutes, they probably would have won by 20 points. I mean, they, they got the, they grabbed the bull by the horns and, and they rode that sucker home. Yeah. And it was, it was interesting to see as much as South Carolina has locked down three point shooters all season, especially in conference play, to see Georgia come out of the gate as hot as they were uh, with Abdul Rahim and Blue Kane both just bombing. Um, yeah, that, that had to make you wonder a little bit, but Casey said it best, as he said, you know, they, they can't keep this up. You don't average eight threes a game and then suddenly just triple that number because because they were pretty much at their season, their game average well before halftime, it felt like. And he was right. They cooled off considerably uh, and in the second half couldn't buy one. 
And when South Carolina went to that one, three, one zone, man, it was, it was all she wrote. Uh, Georgia never did figure out an answer for that. As you said, at the end, it just felt like the longer we play, the worse this is going to get. Uh, and so it was probably good that it ended for the Bulldogs when it did, but it was a great road win. Uh, and any, any road wins a great win. I, mean, I don't, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Uh, and so you, you get that one, uh, and now you've made the turn. You're halfway home in conference play, and you are sitting right smack dab in the middle of the race for the championship, which we just keep adding new angles to this story. It was so much about, you know, can they get enough respect to get ranked? And is this an NCAA tournament team? And now it's, Hey, is this bunch really capable of competing for a league championship? I think that's the other two have been uh, clarified now. And now we're on to the next big question and we'll see where that goes. But in reality, you've, you need to handle your business at home this week, two games at Colonial Life Arena. And then it gets really challenging going to Auburn next week. But right now you just focus on this Rebels team. Yeah, you got that right. And boy, what a good time to be home. As you just pointed out, the, you mentioned the the road victory. Well, they're four and one on the road in SEC play, which is just outstanding. I mean, just flat out outstanding, Derek. And and these these guys just don't blink. You mentioned the the title race. They believe it. Why shouldn't the rest of us? You know, th- this group believes that they can win the SEC. And and but you're around them all the time. It some some teams can say that because they're, they're off to a hot start. But do they have the personality to to be able to handle it when, when you're in the thick of it? I, I feel like this group does. They've just got a bunch of maturity out there on the floor. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think the, I don't think the, uh, the ability to handle it is really the debate. It's, it's really a matter of whether they can continue to play at this level, uh, which is what it will take to be in the hunt in a league this good uh, this year. Do they have that? that ability because it, right now it, it's someone different every game who is filling the void. No one would have expected it to be Josh Gray on Saturday, uh, but it was. And, you know, Michi is still not quite on his best game, but he's finding other ways to contribute, not not to knock him, just saying that you would think that a five-game winning streak in the league would be accompanied by a, you know, a big burst from Michi Johnson. And that really hasn't been where this has gone. Uh, but, Everybody's finding a way to contribute on a given night, and uh, if somebody's off, then you look in a different direction, and that's what they've done, uh, and they'll continue, I think, down that path. Uh, we'll see how it holds up in the second half of conference play, but yeah, I mean, they've they've positioned themselves, the rest of the game cognition that likes to look up like Chicken Little waiting for the sky to fall uh, may need to, to, you know, suspend those thoughts for a little bit. I got a little snarky on Twitter last night with someone like that. I was reposting uh, the latest bracketology from Jerry Palm, who is the best in the business. He's not an ESPN employee, so people don't seem to know that, Uh, but he is a a thousand times more consistently on the mark than Joe Lenardi is. And Jerry Palm's got South Carolina as a three seed right now. Uh, yeah. And again, it's early. I get it. It's early, but it's it was just it was some food for thought just to pass along. And of course, one fan comes back at me basically saying, you know, telling me to, you know, we've got more, more, more to play. And and I, of course, couldn't couldn't leave well enough alone. And, and I said, so you're telling me March Madness doesn't start in February? 
<laughs> I mean, look, it, it's nice to not be in like the last four, you know, right. all of Frank's bubbles team, bubble teams by this point, we're all sitting there going and look, I'm not knocking Frank, by the way, I went, I watched a Frank press conference this morning from UMass and it did my heart some good. Cause it's the same thing. Same thing he did here for 10 years. Comes out there, rubs his head. Ah, you guys, uh, that was good. That was good. You know, anyway, I digress. All of Frank's bubble teams post final four, by the time this date came around, Derek, we're all sitting there just hoping for like next four out by Lenardi. We're like, oh, maybe we can make it to Dayton. Oh, it's going to take a six and one record. South Carolina's being projected as a three seed. That that happens since 1998. I mean, that's uh that's crazy. And you're right, it's still early, but it's it's really halftime. Oh yeah. We're really sure. at halftime right now. You know, it's seven and two in the league. You got nine nine down, nine to go. Uh I want to ask you this. You know, I, I think this week being at home for two games is a tremendous opportunity to set that Auburn game up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your thoughts about uh, that, you know, because if you look the five game win streak that we've talked about, I don't think people I don't think it registers three of the five have been away from home, right? Only two home games. So, you know, your thoughts about uh, having this opportunity in front of them and um, what it could do for them to, to get to that nine and two and have that showdown on Valentine's day on the planes. You know, it gives you so much more cushion. uh, If you just handle your business at home, like you're supposed to, Uh, if you get to nine and two in the league, you go to Auburn with really no pressure on you whatsoever. It'll be just like the Tennessee trip where everyone expects you to lose and you can play free and easy and see how the other team handles that, uh, the pressure of expectations. Um, and, and Auburn has been one of those teams that is incredibly good at home. So we know that that's, that's been going on for a few years now under Bruce Pearl. But um, I, I feel a lot better about that if, if they get their uh, ship in order tonight. Uh, and I said ship, by the way, ship, S-H-I-P. And, uh, just for those who may have been partially paying attention. Eh, uh, I did it the other day. It's all good. But uh, but but no, with, with Ole Miss, you know, that's the one thing that gets me, J.C., is um, they are very similar to South Carolina and how their season has, has tracked, you know. I mean, yeah. uh, Chris Beard comes in there and probably a little higher expectations than South Carolina. You know, when we last saw them, these two teams are playing in the first round of the conference tournament. That miserable Wednesday night, only four of you have to be here. And congratulations, you're two of the four. And uh, and that's where we both were. Uh, and so it's just pretty amazing because, as you mentioned, we were both looking at it. Jerry Palm's got South Carolina as a three seed right now. Ole Miss was comfortably in as well. They were not in that last four conversation. Um, they have, uh, you know, they put together an 18 and four season. And all four of their losses have come in conference play, and they've got some dudes. They they absolutely have some frontline dudes, and they're still learning to play. I think the way Chris Beard wants them to play defensively, but they are a handful. Uh, and South Carolina will certainly be tested tonight. And I'm quite confident that Ole Miss is viewing this, having seen this late rush of attention showered on the Gamecocks, seeing this as their opportunity. To, to seize that uh, to seize that spotlight, if they can do to the Gamecocks what the Gamecocks did to Tennessee a week ago, only a handful of tickets uh, remain, folks. So if you're planning to get there tonight, uh, you better better get them quick. Uh, five as low as five dollars too. Uh, this is the stretch run for 
the Rebels. They just came off of the 14-point defeat at home to Auburn, but now back-to-back road trips. Of course, they they do have the weekend off before their next one, but uh, they'll go to Kentucky after this. And uh, certainly looking to pick one, of, if not both of these teams off are the Rebels to try to improve that tournament resume. So what do they do well? What, what have you learned about Ole Miss for those that maybe haven't haven't seen enough of them? Well, the, the, the guys they've added uh, give them some different options in terms of offense. And so their efficiency is pretty solid. They shoot the three well. They don't, they don't like shoot a ton. They don't shoot them like Alabama. But what they take, they make a lot of. Uh, and, and it's because they've got multiple guys that can do it. On the perimeter, Jalen Murray and Matthew Morrell are the keys. Morrell has been there for, you know, he's your old school, been at the same school four years kind of guy, 1,000-point scorer. Uh, good offensive player. Uh, and then Murray's the opposite. He he came in out of the portal this year and was not highly celebrated. Uh, if you go back and look at the preseason magazines, they, they were really, I think, viewing him through the lens of a, well, he'll give them some depth. And instead, he has basically been the, the engine for this team. He came in from St. Peter's. He's scoring at a higher rate now than he ever did for the Peacocks. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen very often, but it's almost as if he is uh, succeeding based on having better pieces around him. Uh, and, and so he's shooting the, the lights out of it from the perimeter, not a big guy. Uh, but those two, and then Alan Flanagan, who has been at Auburn, has one of those interesting stories. You know, Flanagan, after his sophomore year, looked like he could be a, maybe a second-round NBA pick, and I think a lot of people thought he would go. But his dad was on Bruce Pearl's staff. They talked him into staying, and he goes ahead and injures his Achilles. And so his next year, that next year was gone. Uh, and then when the year he came back, it just didn't look like he had the same abilities as far as just physically. And so he kind of got shuffled out at, at Auburn to, to some degree. His dad followed Chris Beard to Ole Miss, left the Auburn staff, went to uh, Ole Miss. He had coached with Beard at uh, Little Rock a number of years ago. And so Allen followed his dad, and he is really coming back to where you thought he might be, whatever that was, three years ago now. Uh, so he's another nice piece. They've got pieces. And then the one that gets me is that they block a lot of shots, and most of the attention goes on the 7-5 guy, Jamarian yeah. Sharp from Western Kentucky. But really the better big they've got is Musa Cisse, who was one of those guys who you didn't know if he'd ever play for them because he transferred a second time. Uh, and then when all of that got cleared up, where were we in December when uh, when the decision was made that everybody was OK to play from that point on? Cissé was immediately eligible. He had been at Oklahoma State. He two time Big 12 defensive player. I think uh, no Big 12 defensive player of the year once two time all defensive team in the Big 12. And he's a little more talented offensively, certainly than Sharp is. Uh, doesn't block as many shots, but he's a, still a rim protector. So. Their first five, their starting five is really, really solid. So, yeah, it's a, I was going to say, they're, they're, there may have never been a time in Josh Gray's life where he turned around and somebody was bigger than him. But that's going to happen tonight with the Sharp kid and then Cissé, they, they, they're eye to eye. I, yeah. I, they, they, so they got two, there's going to be three seven-footers tonight that might be on the floor together at the same time. That's crazy. Um Let's talk about Josh Gray. I, I, I tweeted a couple of days ago that uh, I, I just felt like Gamecock fans deserve to give him a bear hug. He deserves one, man. Because, Derek, you, I think it was last year, if, if memory serves me correctly, you were telling a story 
y'all were on the bus going somewhere and, and you described him as just this big kind of soft teddy teddy bear just 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 a just a kind kid just a good kid and um and then if you go back to november and into december uh you know josh played a lot of minutes last year um i don't know had it been a better basketball team had he would he played that many i'm not sure but he did though he did and then he had some struggles earlier in the season he was trying to work some things out and kind of he kind of walked off the floor early one day at, you know at the end of one of those games and at that point in time, you just kind of wondered about his future. You know, where's Josh Gray mentally? What what's he gonna do? What's he gonna contribute? Will he contribute? And boy, has he got it turned around, man. So I mean, hats off to him and this staff and this entire team because his the last five games, this winning streak, he's gotten more minutes in every single game and he's gotten better in every single game. Yeah, he's he's playing with confidence now. And he when he's the key for Josh a lot of times is can he make clean catches? Because as big as he is, if he makes a clean catch, he ought to be able to score. Uh, and when he doesn't, sometimes he bobbles the ball. Even if he doesn't turn it over, the defense can catch up and get back to where they need to be positioned. And it's harder for him to score, obviously, over someone with size. Against Georgia, he had clean catches throughout that game, finished everything that he had the opportunity to finish. You know, he just – you know, his presence out there obviously is going to be a factor defensively as a rim protector. But when he can give you some offense too, that is a bonus because you know the rebounding and the rim protection will be there. And he could be key tonight because if there is a weak uh, spot on this Ole Miss team, a soft underbelly, it is rebounding. They have not rebounded well when they win and when they lose, they've just been getting pounded on the glass. I think I saw in their four losses this season – they are getting out rebounded 40 to 29. Uh, so they've been getting beat up pretty badly on the offensive glass. Um, and and so if that's the case, that's where Josh can really, really make his presence known. Same thing with uh, with Colin Murray Boyles. Those two can really both um, do their, their best offensive work on oftentimes uh, keeping possessions alive and grabbing loose basketballs. Yeah, Colin Murray Boyles as well. I mean, that's where we were going next here. I mean, you're, you're, you're starting to see something up front, Derek. I mean, he had 16 points, five boards, four assists. Man, when the, when the ball's in the air, if he's near it, he snatches it. I mean, that's that's his. You, you don't want to be around when that left hook's coming to grab the basketball off the rim, that's for sure, because it ain't going to feel very good. What do you, what, what, what do you, what do you like about the, this, this, this front court now as they all seem to – continue to kind of feed off of each other. They picked up B.J. Mack the other night. We all know what he's capable of, but they picked him up the other night. These three guys, only a month ago, we were wondering about them, and then here they are kind of growing up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Those three have played so well of late that it has basically swallowed up all of the minutes, and so people are asking about Stephen Clark or about Benjamin Bozeman's Verdonk. Neither of them even got on the court against Georgia. And it's nothing against them. It's just really a matter of as the season goes on, typically your rotation shrinks a little and yeah. you rely on the guys who are playing the best. And those three are all playing well. So you don't have occasion to look further down the bench. And uh, if, if the need is there, certainly they, they will be ready. But that is uh, I think that's a positive, not a negative. That uh, All three have played better that, you know, Colin has caught up now from the time spent, you know, on the uh, on the disabled list, so to speak, after mono. And 
you know, Josh is back to the form that we saw from him late last season. And as a result, his minutes are going up. You know, somebody somebody asked Lamont on the coaches show last Thursday about can we get more minutes for Josh? And he was trying to basically explain why that wasn't likely just from a, a, a standpoint of how much Josh can go uh, physically, how much endurance he has on the court. <laughs> but then the very next game out, Josh goes over 18 minutes for the first time this season. So uh, yeah. that goes to show you there was a little more ceiling maybe uh, than LP was letting on, but he just needed to see the productivity to justify it. And also, you know, maybe some struggles from BJ in that matchup tells you that you're better with, with uh, Josh on the floor. And certainly when they went to that one, three, one, he was a, he was a big part of why that succeeded. So yeah, you don't necessarily think it'll be every day like that, but if they start getting closer to a split of the minutes, something closer to 20 and 20, you know, then uh, that, that tells you that Josh is probably playing really well. That is the, voice of Derek Scott, who will be on the call tonight at 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock, boys and girls. Make sure that your radio is tuned in with your television so you can listen to to these fantastic tones uh, as he hopefully calls the sixth straight SEC win for the Gamecocks. Go ahead, JC. I was just going to point out, uh, Derek, see, Ole Miss doesn't necessarily shoot it all that well away from home. Yeah. Uh, 40, 41.7, in SEC play away from home, 41.7% from two. Uh, until they hit 10 at A&M, they were god-awful from three. They're thir- up to 32.1% now. Um, they're not that good at rebounding, um, despite having all the size. Uh, do you think Carolina's defense, because uh, South Carolina gives up, with the exception of obviously the first half where Georgia was unconscious the other day, they don't give up that many threes. I mean, you, right. you, know, you think that's going to be a factor in the game tonight? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they, you know Jalen Murray's not a big guy, and he shoots more of the threes than anyone. As good as Morrell is, it really looks like Murray's the guy, percentage-wise, is putting up more shots. And uh, I just think South Carolina has proven they are not going to allow you uh, to get a lot of clean looks. If you hit them with a hand in your face, okay, tip your cap. And just like Georgia, you can do it for a while. Odds are it won't it won't sustain itself. So, yeah, the, how do they adapt from there? I'm going to keep my eyes on Jamin Brakefield uh, as a guy that is their, is their, I guess you would say, their, their pressure relief valve if they are struggling from the perimeter because he is, he is a crafty guy. He's, he's a dude who, you know, originally was a, a big-time recruit, went to Duke initially, and then didn't work out for him there. He ends up at Ole Miss, and he's left-handed, so it looks a little awkward. He plays below the rim. He's not a high flyer. He and BJ, somewhat similar uh, in build as well as in uh, in their style of play. And he's the guy I think sometimes they really look to if everything else, you know, might be breaking down in terms of the ability to hit from the perimeter. And so, yeah, I'm going to be curious to see how he performs uh, and what South Carolina does in terms of the matchups. I got to think that uh, – but the question is, do you put Mac on him and ask, uh, you know, Colin to deal with the seven footer, uh, or do you flip it that way and and, and see if Colin head head to head is a good matchup with Breakfield? And th- that's going to be, uh, to me, a real curious uh, situation to find out what the uh, matchups are defensively. Because you're right, if if they're not hitting threes, where does the offense come from? Flanagan likes to attack a lot. <clears throat> get to the rim 
And Brakefield is a guy who can score. He's pretty crafty, and they might have to lean on that if uh, if South Carolina does what it does most nights and, and makes it hard to, to live at the three-point line. And on the defensive side, too, uh, Derek, I found it really – this this really brought a lot home last week, at least for me personally. We were talking to Pat Bradley, and Pat mentioned the number of possessions that teams get against this South Carolina basketball team, which flows right into their identity and their brand and how they tie in what they do on offense, you know, move the basketball, move, allow that clock to keep ticking, uh, look for quality shots, try to have a high offensive efficiency, translates to defense. But what it does is it limits possessions on the other side. And most teams are averaging 10, 12, even more sometimes, less possessions than what they're used to having. Kentucky was severely limited, uh, of course, which uh, which in return, uh, you know, helped them only score 62 points. And I, I – you don't think about it like that unless you're a real basketball nerd. You know what I mean? And and Pat Bradley kind of spelled that out for us. I thought it was a really interesting stat. Is that something that, that you have heard discussed in the building from Coach Paris and, and his staff about limiting possessions or how that ties into, or is that just something from a TV guy? No, no, that's that's real. I mean, that that goes back to his Wisconsin roots. That you know, that's what the Badgers were always known for. That they they had lower scoring games based on longer offensive possessions and uh, limiting the total number of possessions that the opponent has the basketball. The key to that tonight, and it will be important, is the Gamecocks have to be strong with the basketball. Ole Miss, you look at fast break points and turnovers created. I think those two numbers have a lot to do with each other. They average double-digit fast break points. They force as many turnovers as far as – I shouldn't say force as many. They average as many steals – and block shots is basically anybody in the league. That's a that's a lethal combo. Uh, so they are looking to create turnovers and run off of those turnovers. If it's a dead ball turnover, it doesn't bother you as much, but live ball turnovers can really be a problem because they are very athletic in the open court, and they're looking for those easy buckets that way. Uh, and, and so that's really where you have to limit those. If you can keep it in the way South Carolina wants to play, if you can keep your turnovers at 10 or fewer, and then you're right, the, the limited number of possessions certainly plays into the Gamecocks' favor. Really can't wait. I, one final quick one I want to squeeze in here. I, know, I don't know how much time you get to spend around the the alumni of this program, but, boy, they've been around, that's for sure. I saw a neat photo from Athens this past weekend. Ryan Stack had made the trip over there. We know Trey Kelly uh, spends a bunch of time around this program. You'll see PJ's face in the state. All you got to do is look above the bench at CLA, and there's always a – a bunch of them back there. Do you get a chance to ever talk to these guys, Derek? I know you called a lot of their games and even some of those that preceded you as the voice of Gamecock basketball. But if you do get a chance to talk to them, just curious as to to what they say about the program and, and Coach Paris and what he's doing. I usually don't because we're on the air before most folks, you know, really settle into their seats. Uh, but if if I do, it's because somebody will come seek Casey out. Uh, and a lot of times post games, some of those guys who, of course, he was doing radio when they played uh, as well. So they'll come say hello. And, and sometimes I get a chance to speak to him then. But there's no question you're seeing more guys around right now, whether it's home games with Larry Davis popping up uh, mm-hmm. or that crew we saw you mentioned over in, uh, in Athens. It's pretty much been that way everywhere we went. Uh, heck, there were a couple folks out in Phoenix. Uh, that came to see Casey that it had, had that live out there on that side of the country and and uh, are excited about what's going on. Uh, that, that's just another positive note for where this uh, where this successful season is taking you because the more alignment you have with the previous generations, you know, I think that's what makes it better. When you have Legends Weekend and you barely have room for them all on the court as opposed to 
a scattered number of them that you see the same guys. Some guys are just, that's what they do. They're going to be around for it every year. When you can connect with more guys and get more guys to come back for events like that, I think that's that's great to see. Legends weekend is next weekend, and uh, South Carolina sure is setting up for a pretty fun one uh, when LSU comes to town, if they can take care of business between now and then. That'll start tonight, airtime 6 o'clock on the Gamecock Sports Network. Derek Scott, Casey Manning, hoping to uh, take you to six consecutive SEC wins for Lamont Paris and his group of Gamecocks here in 2024. We'll see how it all unfolds. Derek, can't thank you enough, as always, for your time. And, um, and you know the drill. When we talk to you next week, bring us back a couple of wins. You got it. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Hey, seriously, you know I mean it when I say this. It, it is so cool, and I can't wait for baseball to start to get the double do- double dip of you every week going from baseball to basketball and all that stuff. But uh, it means a lot that, how you do it, and it, it makes it fun to listen to. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to baseball as well. Had had lunch with one of the coaches yesterday because I can't get to many scrimmages. So I'm just trying to pick brains about all the new faces. And that's uh, that's a conversation for another time. But yeah, it, yeah. It, uh, it's going to be on us sooner than not. We can't wait. We'll be up there for it next week, opening day. Good deal. See you, Derek. Thanks, right. man. See you guys. There Thanks, you man. go. The voice of Game Cop basketball and baseball. You should be the voice of everything. Uh, yeah, you know, they don't do that, though, do they? <laughs> I. The Red House and all people. No people. That's right. We need to get him to be the voice of our show. Voice all the bumps. I'd like that. We're not that lucky, though. We've been kind of lucky. Our show's been kind of lucky, guys. It's like a rocket ship the show has been. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. (laughs) Agreed. Did y'all watch that Lions uh, 49ers game last week? Better to be lucky than good. (laughs) Shane Beamer and Dabo Sweeney are meeting with the uh, fine folks in the state house today. That's why my phone's been blowing up for the past. I missed half the Derek interview because blah, blah, blah. blah, Wasn't, you know, so I got got some things to say about it. I saw Hillary uh, posting up pictures of the state house as if she were standing yeah. on the, the Yeah, I've got my, my poll question now, too. That's been answered by many. Well, we'll get to the poll question. We'll get to Shane and Dabo and Hillary and all on board in front of our elected officials. And a very interesting March Madness bracket. Now, tell you about that, too. One final hour to go here. On Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Gamecock Traditions, South Carolina's elite retailer for anything Gamecock related. The best selection for basketball, baseball, football, tailgating, kids stuff, and everything else. If it's got the Gamecock logo, it's got to be at Gamecock Traditions. Most importantly, they ship it to your doorstep. Order online at GamecockTraditions.com, where there's always a sale. Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com, a tradition unlike the others. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people 
in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nanasporch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. With a little love and some tenderness We'll walk upon the water, we'll rise above the mist With a little peace and some harmony We'll take the world together, we'll take them by the hand Sorry, I was just singing along here, not paying any attention. Letting the, my vocals take over the, all of our programming. We're built by the Barn Dominium Co., and we are served it gladly, gladly served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, the Chicken Cock Bourbon. That double oak, it ain't cheap, but that gum, it's good. That gum, it is. But I did, yeah. I had some Chicken Cock last night. It was, it was at a boy. Yeah. Hey, look, I knew you were doing it. I'm just kidding. Well, um, I need to. I'm having to lay off the beers, you know, yeah. start to get a little bit in the, uh, you know, middle yeah. of it. So, you know, find some, 
little less calories in it. A chicken yeah. cock is the perfect uh, respite for that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is some it's it is man, it's good. I'm glad we glad we work with those guys. Um, glad we're glad we're here till two as well. Uh, welcome back, everybody. JC, JB, and Mad Dog Mullinex. Uh, thanks to Derek Scott and uh, Hale McGranahan for joining us. According to John Rothstein, uh, real quick here, then I want to get to this NIL stuff with you, JC, before we jump back into some hoops in just a little bit. But according to John Rothstein, old Mrs. Jamarian Sharp, who we just discussed with Derek, uh, has undisclosed. That's his injury, undisclosed. Uh, he is a game-time decision this evening uh, prior to the contest against South Carolina, according to his coach. Chris Beard. Of course, he didn't play in the last ball game. They're hoping to have him tonight, but they may not. He is seven feet five inches tall. That is seven feet five inches tall. That is halfway shy of one inch to eight feet in the air. <laughs> oh my gosh. So uh, we'll see if he gets on the floor or uh, not. And um, also, JC had mentioned the uh, poll question which JC, I think, is still up, right, on the Big Spur? Yeah, poll question today uh, brought to you by Best Home Services in Myrtle Beach. Go see Dewey, Carolina Rise sponsor, and sponsors my segments here on the show. Uh, he can take care of your termites and pests, and uh, no doubt in Myrtle Beach, mosquitoes are a big thing all over the state of South Carolina. So it's Best Home, uh, home Services and Pest Control uh, now, down let there me in Myrtle you, Beach. Let me tell you something. Who wants to be a billionaire? Do you want to be a billionaire, JC? Get into that business. No, 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 no. What? no. Phil, do you want to be a billionaire? Well, I mean, I'm If we could come up with the solution to get rid of no seams, billionaire. Mm. Yeah, Done. Well, that's over. Yeah. Those, things are, man, those things are a nightmare, dude. Okay, I mean, they're yeah. a nightmare. They, I could go to my next door neighbor and say, look, you put this stuff on your yard, you won't have any no seams. How much does it cost? Five grand? Give it to me. Yeah, now I'll take two. Seriously, <laughs> that's awful down there. I know. So, so we, we put the poll question in several different areas. We put it on the bigspur.com, we put it on our YouTube channel, and we put it on Twitter. Um, and so you, you got a lot of different audiences there. And this, this surprised me a little bit because our, our membership on the Big Spur is skewed younger lately. Uh, but I guess was, I, I guess the last time I kind of checked was about maybe three or four years ago. Uh, Joe Morrison's death was 35 years ago. So the poll court simply was on this day in 1989, Gamecocks football coach Joe Morrison tragically passed. Were you alive on that day? So you had to be at least, you know, 35 years old today. Uh, on Twitter, 60.8% yes, 39.2% no. Whoa. Which I will take that our our audience is 40% under the age of 35 because that means oh, we're going to have jobs. We'll have jobs for a while, right, guys? Right, right. Yeah, uh, over on YouTube, 62 to 38, yes to no. Hmm. And then on uh, TBS, on thebigspur.com, uh, it was 60.8 to uh, – no, it's actually 63.43 to 36.57. So Big Spur skewed a little bit older, but that's still like 40% of our audience is uh, millennials. That's almost, almost millennials. Yeah, so – Hats off to you, young whippersnappers out there. For I wish you to appreciate you. For, uh, but see, we're kind of more like we're like Leonard Skinner guys. Pardon me, Phil. I'm not I, leaving. I, I keep, mean, like, keep, like, keep yapping. Yeah, yeah like, 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 Leonard Skinner. You know, like they were old. Uh, Led Zeppelin's old. Everybody, people still love them. So we're timeless. 
The Guns Stones are still doing it, man. Stones. I mean, you know, Mick and Keith are still out there, you know, jumping around and dancing on Paul stage. Paul McCartney, yeah. I mean, they yeah. get a big crowd. So, yeah. So, so I, I guess we're kind of like that, that good. That's right. You know? because stand the test we, of time. We stand the test of time. We appeal to the younger generation as well. Is this working? Is that a Joe Morrison? It looks like Joe. Is that like a is that a hologram? Like a, uh, it does. It looks like a Joe Mo hologram. Well, <laughs> I was, I was I like, know. please save us, Obi Wan. <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi. Let's see. I'm gonna. I was I'm like, you just got you just brought Joe Morrison back from the grave, Jamie. That's freaking amazing. <laughs> there, yeah, that's it. That's it. The yeah, lights so, in the yeah, So this him. picture right here. You can't see it there. JC, you saw it at my house, but I did. It, it is signed. So he, um, Joe, uh, my, my, used to walk out into the parking lot after games and drink beer with my family. And uh, he brought them all a bunch of pictures one day and signed them and said, you know, go game Cox, best wishes, whatever. Joe Morrison. So here, just give these to whoever. Appreciate y'all being here after every game wins and losses. And thanks for the beer. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. So my dad passed away in 1995, and I got a lot of his prized possessions, and this was this was one of them. So I keep this hanging in my in my uh, office. Pretty cool. Beautiful. I wish awesome. I had more Joe Mo stuff. I had a I had a helmet, a George Rogers helmet that Joe Morrison signed. That was actually a lamp, uh, and I, all the moves and stuff threw it away. And I had it like on my nightstand the night he died. My dad came and woke me up. I think. Back then, news didn't travel so fast. No, so it's kind of. <laughs> can you take that? I think those days. <laughs> I think Dad saw it on the eleven o'clock news, and that's why it was so late. Because I, I was twelve. I mean, it wasn't like I was. I was in eighth. Nine, I was. In, I was actually in um, sixth, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, something like that. Sixth grade in eighty eight. No, in eighty nine, I was in seventh grade, and so. It wasn't like I was a small child that went to bed at eight, but I remember him waking me up and sitting down and said, Hey, Joe Morrison died. That was sad. And and a lot of people talk about positively and negatively what would have happened either way had he lived. Because uh, there was a chance he would have gotten fired. There was a chance he'd have kept on. I don't think the powers that be at Carolina knew what to do at that point in time with the steroid scandal and all that. I know that unfortunately he passed during a time where South Carolina was just making horrible coaching hire decisions. Thank God baseball didn't come up during that time. Um, and then of course they ended up going to the SEC. Mike McGee ended up taking over, and Mike was actually really good at hiring, or at least getting stop gaps in. And you know, for the most part, was really good at, at getting coaches in. But um, that was uh, it was a fiasco coaching search afterward too. It happened at a weird time. It was another one of those things. And, and I look, I, I have like a decent amount of respect for Sparky Woods. He took over the program at the absolute worst freaking time possible. I mean, and was hamstrung by the coaching budget. And what didn't make any sense about that at the time was, you know, Carolina had the nicest facilities uh, in the country. Um, and so they'd spent money on football. Uh, that was kind of after the Holderman scandal and all that good stuff. But um, so maybe they were a little cautious, but but King Dixon was just not gonna. I mean, Sparky's staff had to go, some of them had to, their coordinators had to go sell Amway after practice to, to make ends meet. You think about how much money these cats are making now, right? Yeah. Um, but and it came down to 
uh, Sparky Woods at App and Jimmy Satterfield at Furman, who had, uh, I believe, just won a national championship at Furman and uh, was a Carolina grad from that, uh, the um, Art Baker and Dick Sheridan coaching tree. And of course, Dick turned the job down yet again. And Art just <laughs> passed away two weeks Art ago. Art just passed away two weeks ago. And I thought, well, man, Jimmy Satterfield's a Gamecock. He's got a, and his staff at Furman at the time. I mean, you're, I think you're talking Robbie Caldwell, all these guys. Um, they're South Carolinians. Um, and Satterfield, I think, was just like, no, I'm not going to subject my assistant coaches to that. I'll pass. And uh, Sparky's, Sparky had a bunch of guys like Brad Lawing, and they were ready to go, Art Wilkins, and came on down and, and you know, his first two years, I think they had winning seasons and the administration during that time. Yeah. You know, this is nothing uh, back then. There were only like 15 bowl games and the independence bowl was one of them. It's turned down two straight independence bowls. And back then it was a big, big deal to go to a bowl. And, and so Carolina turns down bowl, you know, well, we're not going to let that interfere with exams. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, and then, of course, they transitioned in the SEC, and and for for some weird reason, you know, Sparky's zero and five. What obviously that first year over over his head, they put in a quarterback named Steve Tannehill, and for seven magical games over two seasons, Tannehill six and one, and then Sparky kind of become whoever he thought he was, and, and got fired. And in came Brad Scott, and in came Mike Mike McGee was the named the AD during that time too. But it was just such a – the death of Joe Morrison just set off a, a chain of events at South Carolina that really, if if I were an adult like my age during that time, I would have really been questioning South Carolina's commitment to big-time athletics and laughed at the fact they were going to the SEC. Because it, it was just – it was a time where, you know, a lot of people, they'll say it all, Carolina's just political. That's why it never wins. Blah, they're not committed, blah, blah, blah. That era is where a lot of that comes from, you know, a lot of that old, you know, PTSD, so to speak. Um, and, and the good thing about Joe Morrison and why he's so beloved and missed, I mean, the guy had three winning seasons in six years, which is just exactly what Lou Holtz did here. Three bowls in six years. But he coached some of the greatest players to ever play, Sterling Sharp, Todd Ellis, Harold Green, Robert Brooks. You know, and recruited Joe Morrison could recruit, recruited Brad Edwards, recruited Corey Miller. Um, you know, you go all the way back to Den. To, I don't think I don't know if he signed the, the running backs in '84. The '84 season alone, it was like you know everybody in Columbia sat there and watched Georgia win it in '80, and the Gamecocks lose a heartbreaker in Athens uh, with George Rogers fumble. They watched Clemson win it in '81. Uh, and then 84 happened, and, and before that Navy game, it was our turn. Our turn to go win it, right? And that team had a great shot. Uh, and so then after that, you know, his next teams, his following teams were really, really – I mean, 87 was eight and, an 8-4 eight and football team, probably talent-wise, top to bottom, one of the best ever. And, and Joe Morrison – you know, Jim Carlin came in and did some great things, accomplished things that had never been done. Joe Morrison is the first coach, though, to come in because Carlin had been at West Virginia and Virginia and Texas Tech, and he was kind of the some one of the somewhere else guys. I think Joe Morrison was the first guy you looked at, and yeah, that's our guy. That's our guy, you know, because because he had only been at like Chattanooga and 
and New Mexico. And he, he was a, just an interesting character dressed all in black. He's the one that came up with 2001, mm-hmm. his first year, 83. That's 2001. Well, he he made first. things cool at South Carolina. That is a very great way to, great way to describe it. He made it cool. And, yeah. uh, and those of us around there at that time, man, it just, uh, that's kind of the roots of the roots of, uh, who we are, who, who it is, who the Gamecocks are as a fan base. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a lot swag. I mean, the man in black, black magic, the, the fire ant, you know, the fire ant defense, all the, all the, one, the comebacks, all stuff was, I mean, was, was cool. I mean, it, 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 and, and here we are in 2024 and, and look, you know, black magic has kind of come back JC, you know, with the return of the, the garnet helmets and the black jerseys and, and kind of bringing that stuff back into it. And we haven't fire ant defense hasn't, but, 2001 lives on very proud today. And, you yeah. know, I mean, it's, 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 it's neat. It's still that's, here. It's that's why it worked because it's still here. So I always, I always have a little bit of respect. I always have a lot of respect for Will Muschamp, but just from kind of what he did and it, he never, he'd done himself a favor by just admitting it. But, but Will was in high school when Joe Morrison was coaching at Carolina and I'm sure he remembers. And that's why Will dressed in all black every single game. It wasn't because he thought he was oh. fat. It was because he dressed yeah. in, he wanted to be like Joe Morrison. And, and he also he brought back the script Carolina, you know, and all that, dude. I mean, he yeah. he had an affinity for that era. And if you look at the at like how old Will Muschamp is, I mean, he was in high school, in junior high, high school. He was a kid watching SEC and Southern football at that time. Um, and so uh, yeah, that that was just that was one of those eras that it was it was a lot of joy. A lot of close losses too, man. I mean, in '87, Carolina. I was at this game. My dad took me. '87, Carolina played Miami, number one team in the country, after the Clemson game in December. And I'll never forget because Carolina basketball, George Felton, they were playing in a tournament at Miami. So we went and watched Carolina play Miami in basketball during the afternoon, and then went over to the Orange Bowl and watched them play them in football at night. And then, and, and so Carolina brought about five, six thousand fans to this game. So the basketball arena, which was at the Hilton, Miami, it was like this convention, tiniest college gym I've ever seen, was just overwhelmed with Gamecocks. <laughs> and everybody's chanting, football's next, football's next. Yeah, and South Carolina, Jimmy Johnson even says it because he won the national championship that year. That game South Carolina played, he said it was way more competitive and and and, and dramatic. Of course, there was a fight at the end. Uh, then when they played Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl to win the whole thing in 87. I mean, that's how good South Carolina was. They just came up short sometimes. I mean, even even in 86, the team won three games. Ellis was a freshman. They took Nebraska to the wire. They tied Clemson. I mean, there was just heartbreak after heartbreak uh, that season. And that was kind of – you always kind of – you never knew quite what you were going to get with Joe Morrison, but you always knew it would be something. <laughs> and it, well, it was never boring uh, while he was at South Carolina. So that was uh, – <laughs> It's the best of times. Years. It was the worst of times. 35 years. 35 years uh, since Jim Morrison uh, passed away. It will always be remembered in this fan base. That is for sure. Uh, we need to uh, step aside. It is 1.21 p.m. here on this, uh, thankfully, not rainy afternoon, at least in the state of South Carolina. What's going on at the State House? plus a pretty interesting bracket out still to come. Hang tight. We are powered by our friends at Electric Bikes of Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com. And if you got through dry January and you thought, well, shoot, man, now it's time to start looking good, you can 
start there, but in the same building under the same umbrella or the same roof or however you want to call that is Charleston Fitness Equipment. And they literally have anything and everything you could dream of, including that awesome hydro rower that my wife and I love so much in Mount Pleasant. You don't have to be in Mount Pleasant to shop there. Uh, head to charlestonfitnessequipment.com or electricbikescharleston.com. And then if you're in the low country, swing in and see Michelle and her team. They'll get you fit and looking good and ready to rock and roll and take that shirt off as the uh, spring and summer approaches here in the South. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks will be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. It's the season of love, and there's no sweeter time and place to feel it than today at Love Chevrolet. The heart-pounding rumble of the Silverado High Country. The captivating 2024 Chevy Trax SUV, most affordable in its class. No matter what features you're looking for in a brand new Chevy, your match is waiting for you right now at Love Chevy. In this 63rd season of love, your trusted hometown Chevy dealer is proud to carry on the tradition of honesty, integrity, and treating customers like family. No fast talk, no gimmicks, no ridiculous add-on stickers. Simply the best selection of new Chevys at South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer right now and ready to drive home today. Don't forget about the $1,000 low price guarantee. Wow, there's a lot to love about Love Chevy. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Together, let's drive. That's the power of Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks. Let's <laughs> 
Jersey State House in the capital city of South Carolina. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios, always built by the Barndo Co. By the way, part of the Chief Sports Network, for those that may be new around here and haven't been watching or listening to us uh, as long as, as all the others, uh, Chief, the Chief Sports Network is uh, served by Dixie Vodka, and uh, that is some special stuff, especially with five-calorie cranberry juice at the state house today now is clemson's Dabo sweeney and south carolina's shane beamer in appearing in front of a committee uh, to speak in support of an amendment to the nil laws in the state of south carolina according to a report from john blau who covers the tigers for the post and courier the proposed amendment would allow state universities to help facilitate nil deals for student athletes which is restricted by ncaa rules at this point in time, the bill is being weighed by the Education and Public Works Committee, and it will protect the right of the universities to work on behalf of athletes and finding potential NIL deals, reviewing those contracts, assisting in producing content to fulfill sponsorship agreements, and providing guidance as athletes pay taxes on money earned from those NIL agreements. Again, that was written right there directly by John Blau with the Post and Courier. I want to make sure that we credit him as he is uh, covering this. Remember, South Carolina originally passed their NIL law back in 2021, and that was before the NCAA released guidance about what, what they would and would not allow. And then it actually turned out to be a little bit more restrictive than states that didn't pass laws, if that makes sense. So here they are uh, trying to get this sucker pushed forward. Um, of course, uh, you know Park Avenue, we all know the story with Park Ave. When they first came on board, uh, Chance Miller, Ray Tanner and the administration of South Carolina was so far ahead of the rest of the country, JC, and you can speak to this better than all of us can. They were so far ahead of the rest of the nation and it got shut down. And so then it was left to, well, what do we do with this? Because we've got all of this stuff committed. We've got all this structure. We've hired all these people. We've got all these things going on. What do we do? And, of course, that is when you swooped in to save the day with Carolina Rise and partnering with Park Avenue to keep it afloat. And y'all have, uh, of course, worked directly hand-in-hand with the athletes at the University of South Carolina to provide legal NIL opportunities uh, for those who have chosen to play for the Gamecocks. So today, the coaches at South Carolina and at Clemson and elsewhere are are addressing the state legislature uh, to be able to amend the law and allow this to be taken in-house. Yeah, and what what this is going to do, it's not you're not getting rid of collectives um, because you're not the the the, the rules and then the, the, what, what's in front of the NCAA is that the university's not allowed to fund anything, but what the university can do is, is get their fundraising arms uh, behind the collectives, mm-hmm. um, and it, it'd be kind of more public about it. You know, hey, and use their resources to create awareness. Uh, and also, the, the 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 thing I like the most is the helping the kids with tax implications and, and things like that. Because, uh, you know, you're, you're dealing with enough money here individually to where, and none of it's taxed. It's all freelance, which is standard when you're dealing with name image likeness. I mean, I, I did I did a few commercials back when I gave acting a shot, right? And I never got taxes taken out. I think once Fox Sports did it because they're based in California and it was California law. 
but most of the time it's, it's a 10 and you got to go pay taxes on that money. Right. Um, and it, and it, it, you know, like I think back to when I was in college and how much money I made then, and if I had that kind of money, you know, I'd have probably been up poops Creek a little bit. Had I not had some, you know, had somebody not educated me on, Hey, you can't go spend it all. Um, and so I think that's important to safeguard guys from ruining themselves. I mean, cause you, you can, you can see a scenario where a guy does not make the NFL. Maybe he gets hurt after three years. He's a great player though. And has gotten paid handsomely with NIL money. And, and if he's managed that money correctly, he's set at the beginning of his life to do some big things, right? He's got the capital to do it. Um, you can also see a scenario where if they didn't manage it correctly, you know, uncle Sam takes all of it and they're penniless after mm-hmm. getting out, which would be a shame. Um, and so I like that part of it. I like the fact that, you know, everybody always asks, well, what's the Gamecock club doing? Well, they can't do anything right now because of the, because when, when there's no state law, it defaults to the policy. Right. And, right. and Missouri, as you guys noticed yesterday and everybody's freaking out about it, which you shouldn't, you saw Missouri got a $62 million gift yesterday and 12 million of it is going to their quote unquote NIL arm. Um, which it doesn't look like an NIL arm. When you look on the website, it looks more like just a part, like a development part of their athletics department, but that's what it is. And, and it's because of their state law and what they're allowing their, their universities in that state to do. And Missouri's ahead of the game. Oklahoma's ahead of the game. Texas is ahead of the game, but the Texas schools also took it too far. <laughs> and so now they kind of backed off a little bit, but, um, you know, if, if you're the state of South Carolina, there's, there's, Obviously, coastal matters in, in big-time sports and, and in other sports, other schools matter. But the two big dogs are your two major schools. Um, it should not be that difficult when both of them want something uh, to get it done. Now, when one wants something and the other doesn't, especially when South Carolina that wants it and Clemson doesn't, you know, those people at the state house that their blood runneth orange, they're not willing to help at all. And we all saw that with the Board of Trustees situation a few years ago. But I think with this, because you have a unified front, that um, they'll be good. And I'll also mention this, because the Clemson writer I read, and it wasn't Klaus or Klaus, it was uh, it was the Clemson insider. Uh, they, 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 they made it seem like Clemson was on the forefront of all this, and that they've been pushing for this for a while. That's not true, because when, when I've met with the NIL powers that beat South Carolina multiple times, they were trying to drag Clemson to the table to do this. You know, so Carolina, this is something Carolina has wanted for much longer than Clemson. Clemson just now kind of got their act together on it. So uh, for those of you that are always looking to target Carolina's athletic department, personnel, whatever, institution, woe is me. uh, Don't that that's and I'm not saying that they intentionally wrote misleading information. They're just getting it from one source. Uh, And I'll tell you right now, South Carolina's wanted it. For a long time. So. Correct. Yeah. Th- yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, they've been trying to figure out what to do. I mean, we got, we got to keep a couple of things in mind here. There are still NCAA rules in place and you can't break them. And so if let's say that things do change in side of inside of the state house and they decide to pass legislation that is uh, more convenient and flexible for these universities to be able to work on behalf of their student athletes, which I think would be a good thing. Um, they, still technically can break NCAA law guys by, by going out and doing this. So although the state law might say you're allowed to, 
NCAA yeah. rule says you're not, but as we all well know, NCAA rule continues to change literally overnight because they don't know what to do. They just keep throwing their hands up. They're being sued from everywhere under the sun. You never know when they're just going to come along and really let the floodgates out and say, well, they, we're not doing anything about it. And then you'll have all these state laws that will really be in place at that point in time. And we'll be back to where we were just a couple of years ago, trying to figure out who has the advantage based on state law and this, that, and the other. And then more than likely we'll come back to the table and create an NIL nationwide type deal. That's probably where it's going. But, um, but, but yeah, so you're still going to have, these things are still going to conflict though, JC, like, you know, to a certain extent, the, the NCAA has a proposal. No, nah, you can't do whatever. I mean, you can't do whatever you want to do. What, what this does is it streamlines. It takes some of the barriers down between the institution and the collectives, which uh, I think once you get to a certain point, you know, and, and that the NCAA absolutely has, has done nothing about collectives. And uh, as someone involved with collectives, uh, you know, I'm glad about that, but I also want to say that that I think I'm a pretty good actor in this whole thing, and I think there's a lot of people out there, uh, not at South Carolina, you know, in other markets that, that you've seen proof that they are not. And and I mean, even like Florida, and I hate to use Florida as an example because they had the clown show with the quarterback, right? Some kid from Florida, the place with the Bears now, signed with a collective, right? Uh, and he, he got four hundred and thirty thousand dollars, Jervon Dexter. Well, in the contract, it said they had to pay him back. They had to pay. He had to pay the collective back plus 10% of all future earnings. Right. Never signed anything like that, brother. You know what I mean? That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's like a loan shark, man. Exactly. Uh, and, and so I, I think that with the NCAA or the, the stakeholders, you know, the powers that be have decided is it's better to keep these guys close and understand who we're dealing with and what they're doing than to just like, we can't talk to you about anything. Whatever you do is on your own. Um, and I like that. I like that part of it. Of course, we, you know, we have a great working relationship with South Carolina anyway, but a great working relationship with the people at Garnet Trust. I mean, it's, uh, it's been very pleasant here. Uh, so I think if there's a silver lining for the Gamecocks getting behind money-wise, it's that it allowed us to kind of look at, I mean, it wasn't like we're all just sitting there going, oh, we got $10 million. What we going to do? You know, <laughs> and uh, that's it. You know, we kind of sat there and we're like, well, we got a hundred thousand, but you know, school Z started out with 17 million. Now they have nothing and their players are leaving because they're not getting paid or school D has decided the collective guys just that they invested in it decided that's not for them anymore. So that goes away and they have no NIL at all. Mm. Or, you know, I mean, so the good news is I can tell you this without a shadow of a doubt, and I don't care what anybody says, unless there's something out there I am not aware of that I did not have, I wasn't privy to, and I'm privy to just about everything. There's never been a kid at South Carolina that hadn't gotten paid what they were promised, NIL-wise. Um, and there's never been a kid at South Carolina that's just gotten paid and not had to do anything. Now, is some of it work that maybe if they weren't football players, they wouldn't be getting paid that much for. Yeah, sure. But you know what? Uh, how much would you pay me to do your commercial versus Spencer Rattler? All right. Uh, well, I'll ask, we'll ask Michelle Wilkins, like, okay, Michelle, like for your business, electric bikes, would you rather have me and myself that's in great, awesome shape? Or would you rather have uh, even somebody like Mo Caba? Michelle or Mo Caba? I mean, ask everybody. 
Uh, and it, so the value, so I get that. Uh, we may not all understand that. It may be, it may be a, a inflated compared to like the actual market, but that's it there. So um, what this is going to do, uh, and, and it, it's going to help Clemson too, because they've kind of been, they've been behind as well. Uh, it's going to allow things like the Gamecock Club to help with uh, the collective end of it. And it's going to allow uh, South Carolina to get more money in the coffers and to do a lot more things that make sense and to be more creative with it uh, and, and all of that. And and it kind of mirrors what Missouri's doing right now. And uh, Missouri um, got a nice, I guess, $12 million, uh, you know, pile of booty <laughs> in the old coffers. Uh, but uh, there's no reason why the Gamecocks can't do the same thing. And having the state make a law that makes sense uh, does that. And you mentioned, JB, it still doesn't circumvent NCAA rules. It doesn't. But the NCAA has a, a – a, it's not a rule, but it's more guidance, so to speak, uh, out there from Charlie Baker that kind of says, all right, we're going to let you guys start doing this. Mm-hmm. And, and so th- this law will help you know, whereas that's just guidance or whatever, this law will help kind of enshrine the next move for the NCA, if not get the South Carolina schools out in front of it. Yeah. And that's the important thing is like in the uncertainty right now, being in front of it and kind of, you know, having the door open to best case scenario at the NCAA level will put you ahead of the game. Cause some of these legislative bodies move very slowly sure. <laughs> and oh, getting they do ahead here of that too. always going to put, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. It, what ours definitely included. Um, but yeah. yeah, getting ahead of it is, will do nothing but benefit all the state funded schools. Yeah. And, and look, they, the first time where they passed the law, and then they, they, I mean, it was a quick process. And then when they rescinded the law, oh, okay, that was a, that was fast. I mean, it's not uh, the, the guys at the state house. Like I said, when it benefits both schools, uh, it's going to hurt Clemson and Carolina. You know, they, they all. You know, the, the, I guess that's the bipartisanship that comes through there. Uh, like I said, when it's Carolina that wants something, as we found out with the um, the BOT situation last last two summers ago. Uh, they're not so quick to lend a helping hand, which is fine. That's kind of the way they've always been. And uh, that's, that's kind of their founding was a lot of people didn't like the University of South Carolina. So they went and founded that. So that's uh, that's kind of the history there. And it's not a surprise. But when they work together on something, uh, it usually pretty fast. If you're a politician, you don't want to piss everybody off, right? <laughs> because 90% of the state is Clemson or Carolina fans. I mean, you know, you're not going to piss them off. So I I think, I think it'll be a smooth process and both sides will get everything they want. And my understanding is there's really no daylight between what Clemson wants and what Carolina wants. There's no disagreement or anything like that. So it should be a good process. Certainly we'll be following uh, this story throughout the afternoon. And um, if there are any updates in the coming day or days, uh, we'll be sure to address them here on our program. But uh, Shane Beamer and Dabo Sweeney will sit in front of state legislation today to discuss the future of NIL in the state of South Carolina. We need to step aside for one final timeout when we return. Now, this would be something. A bracketologist really, really uh, could have uh, piqued the interest of basketball fans, particularly in our area we'll tell you what that means when we get back here on inside the gamecocks the show built by the barn doco 
Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Cold Joe here, and when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer, just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Yeah, they're ready to go tonight in Columbia, South Carolina, the old Miss Rebels and the 15th ranked South Carolina Gamecocks will tangle. These are a couple of teams right now projected widely by the dra- by the bracket experts across the country as well into the dance. So well, in fact, that Jerry Palm from CBS, as of yesterday and updated late last night, has the Gamecocks in the West bracket as the three seed against 14th-seeded Drexel. Now, you may have heard Derek Scott allude to that earlier while the fantastic voice of Gamecock basketball joined us to talk about the 
matchup this evening. What you didn't hear Derek Scott say was whom they would projected to play, be projected to play in the second round if they got through that 14-3 matchup. That would be none other than the winner of the 11 seed, which would come from the first four in games that they'll play in uh, Dayton. Or the six-seeded Clemson Tigers in Pittsburgh. Now, seems very unlikely at this point in time. It's February the 6th, and we've got a little bit over a month before Selection Sunday uh, gets here. There's no doubt. But one couldn't just help but wonder, what on earth would we do if South Carolina and Clemson managed to match up in the NCAA tournament, we've seen it in baseball. The Gamecocks have owned that series. Would they do it again in basketball? I don't know. For, for what it's worth, Jerry Palm also has North Carolina predicted as the uh, top seed, projected as the top seed in the uh, Western bracket, where South Carolina and Clemson are as the three and six, respectfully. He also has Ole Miss in the same one as the eight seed, and the Auburn Tigers in there as the fifth seed facing Grand Canyon as the 12, who Carolina already defeated. The two seed, by the way, would be Arizona. I mean, it would be a hell of a Western bracket. Like, if you got through that, you know, you're going to win the NBA championship, not the NCAA tournament. You're going to win the freaking NBA championship. Uh, but um, but anyways, I, 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 you know, again, it's very unlikely that something like that would happen. Uh, but I just found that really, really, really – could y'all imagine? I can tell you this. There would be – a lot of freaking airplanes flying from South Carolina to Pittsburgh uh, within about 48 hours of this matchup tipping off uh, if it were to uh, to ever actually happen. Well, yeah, could you imagine? Well, what do you, it actually it, it brings a question up to me as to whether or not, uh, okay, what's, what's the better deal? A high seed in a long-distance venue or playing in Charlotte is like a six? Would you rather be three in Pittsburgh or six in good Charlotte? Question. Yeah, it's a good question. I like the I like the with this team this year, Phil. I kind of like well, the higher seed. I mean, yeah, I, I I, this is a group that takes care of business, and yeah, if they get beat, well, you can still are, win in Charlotte as a three seed. Just yeah, you know. chances are if they get beat, they're going to get beat by a team that's just better, and so uh, I think it almost takes a little pressure off not not being in Charlotte and. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Char Charlotte's the only really close. Uh, I don't think there's any, but down in Florida this year, uh, I think the next closest would be Memphis or Indianapolis or Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's yeah, the, that's the site of the infamous Coppin State game. Yeah, I know. Back it would be the, a, uh, almost a house right. of horrors. Even Cl Clemson, they're going to give you a decent, pull i mean if this team keeps winning at the clip it is and you know says well what, we got nine games I mean, left the, so you go look, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna just say it phil i'm just gonna come out and say it okay i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do it just let everybody laugh with it you keep winning you end up winning the sec you're gonna be hiring a three seed yeah, you're going to be a, a, on the yeah. one line in you're, Charlotte. You're going to be one or two. Right? <laughs> I, here's the thing that, like, this hasn't been discussed, and I don't want to – I personally don't want to take this discussion this far yet. Um, yeah. It is absolutely – we mentioned it yesterday. We will 
until this team gives people a reason by virtue of losing games, uh, we will continue to discuss them and the possibility of winning the Southeastern Conference because you're halfway through the league, and it's okay to have these conversations. We'd be having it about whoever the hell else was up there if it wasn't the Gamecocks, so why not them? But in saying that, one of the things that we haven't expanded on when making that point is if you win the league this year, as deep as it is and as good as it is, you're really freaking good. Like, you're real good, dude. Like, this isn't some of those years where Kentucky would just, you know, just roll right on through, you know, get there, you know, back with 16 games. Remember that? Remember those days, boys? Mm. You know, 15 and 1, 16 and 0. Ah, shoot. Kentucky's going to blow the door. So somebody, ah. said on, somebody said on Big Spur today, they were like, oh, if Carolina can go 8 and 1 the next half of the schedule and finish 15 and 3, maybe they get a three seed. Uh, <laughs> Right, so, so, so let's say hypothetically they do that, it right? Depend on the two line, if not the one. At that Which point. To, to me, the likely scenario there, fellows, would be beating Auburn and losing to Tennessee at home, and that's just because I think Tennessee's that good. They're really um, good, but yeah. and I think Auburn's. Right. I, I love Auburn. Don't, don't get me wrong. I like they're, they're good too. Yeah. I mean, but uh, you know, so so you're twenty seven and four going to Nashville. You're the number one seed. You get a bye till Friday. Uh, this program hadn't played on Saturday in that tournament, I think, since Frank's third year, maybe his second. Maybe Frank never got to Saturday. I don't remember. Uh, I know Horn didn't, and I know Dave did, a, like the the NIT champion, second NIT championship. So, so let's say you win, you go one and one or two and one, twenty nine and five. You're you're going to be a number one overall seed. You may yeah. be the number one seed in the day, whole damn tournament. If you get to that, I mean, that's, that's different. That's next level. Uh, what I call that likely nah. most basketball teams drop. I mean, basketball is not an undefeated sport. Um, and, and I almost would get nervous if, uh, if they ran that kind of streak off, because, you know, sometimes when you, when you, sometimes, sometimes it's good in basketball to lose and have some adversity and, and reset when you get to the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, as far as Clemson and the matchup, on the other side of the bracket, Clemson's on the bubble right now, and they're anywhere from a six to an eight. They haven't been playing that well, but um, I've I've seen the the committee in basketball. I've seen in baseball they do it all the time. They will straight up put Florida and Florida State opposite each other for a super in a heartbeat if it matches 100%. up that way, or send them to their regional. They don't. Yeah, that that sport's different. A lot of people forget South Carolina and Clemson were paired in 2011, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, UConn. Went up to Clemson and clipped them, and then yeah. the Huskies came to town and Gamecocks beat them to go back to Omaha, knocked them out. Uh, but same thing happened in in sixteen to Holbrook uh, and, and that team that uh, went to the Supers and played Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State, not Clemson. They were supposed to be Clemson, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, but I have seen I've seen it a couple of times. I, I saw I think a couple of years ago, and I don't remember if they played or maybe one of the teams got upset. Texas and Texas A and M were matched up. I, th- I think that's happened tw- twice. And I think one time they didn't play because one of them lost. I don't know they may have. Uh, so they do have kind of a sense of humor about that. Now, because South Carolina's already played Clemson, I think they will do their best to say, well, let's try not, let's try to avoid a regular season rematch as best we can, you know, through three rounds. Uh, the, the problem you're going to run through there is if you've got 10 SEC teams in, you're, you're, that's going to be off the table uh, 
probably, you know, probably you can't avoid it. So I, I, I don't know. I, I would say it's highly unlikely uh, that Carolina gets to play Clemson before at least the Sweet 16. But hey, if it happened, it would be a spectacle, right, for the state yeah. and all yeah. that. I'm glad you brought up the strength of the SEC, though, JB, because it's only been like maybe two weeks, maybe the past three games, where I've finally like been able to push aside in my head. Well, what if the conference just isn't quite as strong as everybody says it was going into the season? And that's why this team is experiencing their success. There's like those little creeping doubts that climb into your head. And then you watch Alabama do what they do to everybody. And you're like, no, you know what? The team's at the top of this league, you know, Tennessee rolling into Rupp and just completely rolling up Kentucky the other night. I mean, it's like. We got a damn good basketball team. I mean, uh, yeah. Auburn, you know, Auburn beat Ole Miss by 23 right. at Auburn, and then they roll in there the other night, and they're down nine and come back and win by 14. Uh, and, and that's what you want to look for. I, I think sometimes a, the, the league is tough, but the good teams are the teams that do this because uh, you're going to get people shot. You're, every team's going to give you, you know, shoot at you. You're going to get their, I don't want to say always their best shot, but you can get a shot. The good teams are the teams that do exactly like South Carolina did the other night, like Auburn did at Ole Miss. They survive it. They keep playing their game. Uh, And and honestly, guys, once – gosh, it was 57-53. And then once – I think Cooper hit a three and game guys went up seven. In my mind, I was like, they're winning. To the point where I kept having conversations with Nat and then looking back up at the TV going, Oh my God, Oh my God, what's going on. And, and South Carolina was comfortably ahead. Uh, and probably like you said earlier, JB could have won by 20 and they kept playing. Sure. Um, that's, and that's what good teams do. Good teams in great leagues do that. They also bounce back from losses. They also avenge losses. The loss to Georgia has been avenged, you know? That's right. Yeah. Um, that's why I think these old miss, these two games against old miss are very intriguing, uh, so Carolina does win tonight. What's well, so how's Ole Miss going to counter when they got to Oxford, where this year the Rebels have been a much better team at home, shooting, executing, all that. So that's going to be interesting as well. Yeah, for and for what it's worth, by the way, too, on the Jerry Palm projection of the top four seeds, he's got all of their metrics laid out, and South Carolina's metrics by far are the worst of any of the top four seeds. I mean, there is there isn't anybody in there with a net ranking. Uh, lower than 19, and that's the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, as a he's got them on the four line in the east, and then South Carolina, their non conference strength, strength of schedule is 284. Uh, only Iowa State's at 321 is worse. They've got them on the four line. Uh, he's got South Carolina's overall strength of schedule at 88. Um, that is nine, that's 21 spots uh, worse than uh, Duke, who's at 67. They're on the four line. And then I already mentioned the net ranking. So it's so what that is, is it's a hell of a projection. That's a hell of a projection. Like he's not necessarily just taking the teams that have proven themselves via the metrics um, and, um, and you know, via the wins and losses. Is essentially, you know, what do I see with my – with um, you know, what have, what have we seen on the court? Uh, he's using his eyeballs, disregarding a lot of the metrics and projecting that South Carolina is going to finish the year in a – it just it, with a flurry of wins out of the SEC. That's that's all that is. That's a straight projection. Forget the forget the net. Forget the this. The, forget all that crap. You know, I like these guys playing basketball. And uh, but it's like you said, JC. It starts tonight, 
And um, and this is a quad two opportunity as Ole Miss comes into the game at 61 in the net rankings. South Carolina is at number 39. So it's a quad one opportunity for Ole Miss, quad two for the Gamecocks. I'll be interested early to see, too, where, where the energy level is for the Rebels. I like this team. I like Chris Beard, and um, and I know we're out of time, so I don't want to, you know, dance off too far here but they're coming off of really some emotional contests you know they they, they scrounged and clawed and scratched their way to that 86 82 win over their rival mississippi state two games ago and then you just pointed out they had a they had a nice lead on auburn and they just couldn't hold it and uh, auburn came back and ended up hanging 91 points on the board and now they got to hit the road for columbia tonight against one of the best teams in the country and the Gamecocks. So I'll be anxious to see what type of punches they're throwing early in the game and what their energy level looks like, too. But um, hopefully Carolina can get it done. Big keys. Good start on defense for the Gamecocks tonight. Don't let them get out and start shooting and feeling it because, that, like I said, this is a team when you combine their road SEC games. Now, they've won on the road this year in the non-conference. Don't get me wrong. They did win at A&M despite shooting poorly. But they don't shoot it that well away from home and – if the Gamecocks can rebound and hit their share and with the way the Carolina limits opportunities and plays defense, obviously, if you're not shooting well, you need to be like have some volume in terms of possessions to make up for it, and you limit their possessions. It, it could be a – don't be surprised if it's a long night for, for Ole Miss unless they're hot, and they're capable. Don't get me wrong. But uh, the key for the Gamecocks, get off to a good start. Don't let them settle in. Guard, guard, guard. Uh, and the chips will fall where they may, and then make sure you rebound them. So we'll see uh, what happens tonight. Can't wait to watch it. Gonna got to do double duty with Bingo and the Ole Miss game tonight. No, oh. so, so nice. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I kind of say cuss words <laughs> under my breath about the Bingo lady when she doesn't call up my number. So now I'll just be cussing at the game. So that, that'll be better. I think <laughs> I think the keys to the night to tonight's game are very easy. Just be who you are. You'll be fine. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing it's been else. I, I'm not... before, so why change the formula? Yeah. You know? Be who you are. <laughs> yeah, there ain't no magic potion to this, Phil. Yeah. Just just do what you do. And you, you'll be fine. And yeah, they've the uh, basketball you're playing this year is uh, one that's geared for success and you're enjoying it to keep it rolling. No doubt. No doubt about that. Uh congratulations to Malaysia Full Wiley, the SEC's freshman of the week. And also the Gamecock baseball duo of Ethan Petrie and Cole Messina has picked up more All-American honors. Ethan Petrie, the National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association, first-team right fielder. Cole Messina, third-team catcher. So congratulations to those gentlemen who will be swinging the sticks next Friday night in Founders Park. Thanks to Derek Scott and Hale McGranahan. Rest in peace, Toby Keith. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.